everybody, and welcome to episode oh. 541 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Rapares, coming to you from the Mikey Cox Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. Kudos to you for not calling yourself Mike Cox. Has anybody seen Mike Cox? <laughs> <laughs> If if you want to join Mike Cox uh, as the, uh, <laughs> the name of the studio, go to patreon.com slash laser time and join us at the $20 level. Who's joining me now? Uh, Chris Antista, no longer plus, but premium. Oh, and Mike Cox's best friend, Mike Hunt. Matthew uh, <laughs> the classics. Uh, uh, yeah. It's going to be a fun show. We've got like a ton of new releases to plow through. I don't know if you've you've noticed, but there's a literal ton of games that came out this week, including the, the Crew Motor Is that Fest. metric? Sorry? Oh, metric Sorry. ton. Which, which yeah, is bigger? Metric, which is yeah. bigger? I don't know. I no, yeah. Ask me Yeah, how much either of those weighs. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> so, yeah, the Crew Motor Fest came out. Full disclosure, I work for Ubisoft. But that helped prompt... Our top five topic for this week. I don't work for Ubisoft, and I like Crew, and it made me think about more racy stuff. Yeah. That specifically, there are really only like a few big racing franchises out there now, and there Mm -hmm. used to be a lot more. And we're recording this before the Nintendo Direct right now. Depending on what happened during the Nintendo Direct, there might be one of those franchises coming back. And Mm. and that rumor kind of kind of cemented. Why don't we talk about racing franchises that have been gone for a while that we'd like back? That they've been... Are you bearing the lead on that we've all played Starfield? Oh, yeah. We, we have talked a... about that. We talked about it last week. <laughs> talked oh, about we it last did. week, but I hadn't played it for very long last week. I played a mm. lot more of it. So. Mm. Oh, my bad. See, uh, for I some reason, opinions. I woke up yesterday and like I absolutely need to use my AI voice cloning technology to make a... Uh, Oh, Starfield. I'm ready to go off on a space adventure. Oh, John, you're too encumbered. I was trying to do a Garfield AI thing, and I'm just like, (laughs) fuck that. And then I remembered there was this AI stuff I never played on the show that I made for the show back when um, that disastrous episode where Maddie was hosting and making me listen to Madden conversations. It Mm -hmm. was a disaster. And uh, I, I never played this clip for you. Remember, we were talking about Madden and Charles Martinet leaving the role of Mario. All right, here we go. I uh, hate a Madden. This whole <laughs> God, technology is wonderful. Those will be replacing us all very soon. That's something Charles Martinet would never he say. He does not have the patience to do a two-and-a-half-hour podcast. I'm sorry. Well, or a, like happened. a 40-second Charles Martinet voice recording. <laughs> <laughs> that, too. If I didn't say, I wouldn't, that, that is clone from Mario, a, a sample of Mario's voice that I could have fucked around with and made sound more authentic. Hmm. But, uh... When I found all these YouTube videos of like, here's all of Charles Martinet's dialogue from Mario Tennis, 40 seconds. Mario Odyssey, one minute and 20 seconds. Right. <laughs> one minute yeah. and 20 seconds of audio. It's about quality, not quantity. I know, mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't hate the new voices. I just don't. Under- I thought maybe Nintendo wants to get away from that whole it- Father Guido Sarducci Italian thingy, and then Wander's just like, yeah, we're just doing this still. <laughs> that would be amazing. I'm changing my answer retroactively from however many weeks ago. Father Guido Sarducci would be the best new Mario. That voice. was a Michael yeah. reference. Don, Don Novello is still with us, Don so Novello, he could yeah. he could do it. He used to do so many beer commercials and weekend updates. <laughs> <laughs> 
You got yeah. to uh, pay for your sins. Uh, masturbation. Yeah. Eh, about, uh, I, I think you referred to him as, as like a you know first first season of SNL guest. And it's like, oh yeah, he kind of was, wasn't he? He came yeah. back a lot though, because hmm. it, it's I, I, this is totally neither here nor there, but. I love really uh, old episodes of SNL. It was very much a variety show. That's why oh, yeah. Andy Kaufman would just do a bit. He's not in sketches. He'd just do a bit or wrestle a woman. Or, or, or where Joel Hodgson premiered, like doing prop comedy. That was on SNL. Huh. That's how he got Mystery Science Theater 3000. Because oh, wow. he left Hollywood and was known for his SNL and Letterman appearances. Like if you uh, would have, if, if it was a trivia question on a game show, like did he premiere on SCTV or SNL, I probably would get it wrong. Because he has yeah. it's such an SCTV feeling character. You know? Yeah. But, uh, it's just, and it's something SNL never does anymore. Spotlight another kind of comedian Nope, we can fold you into our sketch, but that's all you get. Mm-hmm. We can update segments if you're hosting. Yeah. So racing, <laughs> racing, racing. Talk about racists. Yeah. Here's 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 what because uh, yeah, it was a lot of it was based on a lot of hands on with motorsport. I played the beta and a couple hours of the retail motorfest. 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 Yeah. What did I say? Motorsport. 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 Oh that's yeah. The Fuck other. me for getting that. Wrong. That's the great, other one. Great name. Uh, uh, no, it was Motor Storm, which which isn't on the list because if you didn't have a racing game for a long time, can you even really call yourself a game company? Bro, do you even publish? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you don't have a car game, what are you even doing out here? It's, it was like, well, I, it's like sports games, right? Like now there's only one football of yeah. both varieties. Um, but back in the day, everyone had an American football game. Everyone had a basketball game. That was... It was like a fucking checklist. Like, oh, you're a game publisher? You need this, yeah. this, this, and mm-hmm. this. And racing mm-hmm. games. Probably more than one variety, by the way. We you did some have focus testing, racer. and we found out who the fuck is Konami without a basketball game. Nobody mm-hmm. knows what Konami is without a basketball game. Double if, dribble. Even even Square had Rad Racer, but like... Like even big publishers like uh, Sega and Ubisoft, Sega made a ton of racing games. Uh, racing was like one of the eight genres of games that there could be yep. uh, back in the day. Yep. And and yep. if you were a big publisher, you had one racing title, and that all evaporated about twelve to fifteen years ago. And I, I don't believe it's through anything nefarious, except that. I don't know who set the standard. Probably Gran Turismo set the standard of like, this needs to be an all-encompassing, giant 4K poly racing game. And it's just like, well, we can't make small racing games anymore. I used to be able to finish racing games by renting them over the weekend. And now they're I, like yeah. one to two year experiences. Of course, every company's not going to make those kind of things. Well, I think it was that coupled with, so it was the size thing, but just also coupled with like, Kind of a decline in popularity of the genre in general, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, so we're going to be selling to fewer people, but we have to make our game bigger. Of course, a lot of publishers are going to tap out. Like, yeah, we'll we'll just focus elsewhere. And I imagine it's it's got to be kind of expensive to license all those cars, and you know, working closely with with the car manufacturers. And it's like, can we show this dinged up? No, okay. Well, th- or you there can, was a hol- but you pay extra. Ah, there yeah. was a hilarious... Ar- but, like, also, the auto manufacturers argue, like, hey, how come the Nissan isn't getting as damaged as the Ford? Mm. What, what's going on, Grant? <laughs> so you get these poor was game Bill publishers... Bill the one complaining about that? <laughs> yeah, like... Uh, are you saying there's something wrong with the with the Honda's chassis? What's wrong with you? I'm pulling out support for Test Drive. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like, I was even thinking, like, Capcom... MotoGP is the first racing game I ever played online. 
because it was that important to them to have their portfolio diversified in such a way. We must have a Western focused, mm-hmm. si- damn near simulation racing game. Like, but they're all gone, almost all of them. And so, like when I'm playing the crew, I'm like, yeah, I kind of have been at the mercy of the forces and the Need for Speed. And Need for Speed doesn't do annual anymore either. So, yeah, I, I don't know if you've ever. I know Matt does, and Michael does less, but, like, dude, zoning out to a racing game is fucking therapeutic. It's not like other sports games. And especially when I didn't have a car and lived in San Francisco, I fucking loved playing a racing game for, like, two or three days. But now they're all, they have to be massive experiences, and I just appreciate the crew for more than anything. Like, there should be a fourth option, because the first two are first party, you know? And then there's Need for Speed, and that's kind of it. And uh, and and Sega, uh, Matt, Sega made so many great res- racing games, but the arcade kind of led that. And you know, you know where we are now. But mm-hmm. uh, the only the last racing games I've seen in arcades are like Batman and Fast and the Furious. They're all. If we have to license something, let's get the big one. <laughs> let's get a really big one. I think it's still a thing in Japan. Totally. Uh, I know. I know. There's other racers we don't really get over here that they still have there, and even. Like I mean, initial D, initial like D initial D is a huge yeah. series in Japan, yeah. But but yeah, it's it's less so. I mean, speaking of arcades, that is one genre that has almost disappeared entirely. Like you might say, and we, we say this all the time on the show, like, hey, Forza, Forza Horizon is a more arcadey style of game than Forza Motorsport. It's not an, truly an arcade racer though. Like like yeah. arcade racers are like typically you're trying to beat the clock, uh, and if it runs out, you put another quarter in, or it's much shorter experiences. Like the days of the arcade racer, and I are, are almost gone. And 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 I'd say maybe through uh, Nintendo sixty four, PlayStation, maybe the beginning of the PlayStation two era. That's when we got the last true like kind of arcadey arcade yeah. racers, and then everything mm-hmm. else got to be this giant fucking experience you know uh, yeah because the one thing I d- we didn't have on here and i didn't totally like that san francisco the rush series san francisco rush oh yeah that's that's great, a perfect great example of an arcade racer yeah, yeah like a- this is physics do not apply here this is just a super fun racing game that played well in arcades and consoles well, wasn't, wasn't yeah. split second kind of trying to inherit yeah. that legacy with like we've got big these big stages that will change depending yeah. on things that that's even Maybe. even disney needed like not a sim, but a serious racing game. So it was really hard to figure out how to classify these. But I right. think we, we came up with uh, some of our favorite kind of sh- straight racer, non-Mario Kart mm-hmm. games. Some of them you know, are a little bit There Mario was an arcade Kart. racer recently. It's that Hot Wheels game. Those Hot Wheels ah. games, I think there's a sequel coming this year. I mean, already came, there's right, almost but. nothing in arcades in this country at all unless it's licensed on something. and almost breaks my heart sometimes. No yeah, new IPs for arcades. Well, what there? What? Yeah, one of the my favorite arcade racing series. I didn't put on my list because I'm like, we don't want to delve into motorcycle games. But like, Hang On, mm-hmm. how badass great. was Hang On back Hang in the on day? Because you fucking leaned over the whole motorcycle mm-hmm. as you were turning. Yeah. I remember when I got my Sega Nomad and I got it with the six pack game, and I'm like, yeah, man, I got Sonic and Columns and Shinobi, and like, all I played was Hang On. Like, it was mm-hmm. so much fun yeah, when I got the great. Nomad. It was right. But let's just dive in with... Rad Racer. Number five. And you know, I don't like to brag about my dancing skills, but I got some skills. I got some skills. I gotta tell you, I look pretty damn good. I'm not doing shit. I'm not doing shit. I'm not doing shit. 
call this dull. I love it. The DJ there calls out Live 105. And that, if, oh. if you are, live in San Francisco and you have ever listened to the radio, you know Live 105. Uh, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm a boneyard man. I am the kind bone. of impressed that the, at least the very first installment of this game, like wherever you were, it had a local radio station represented really? with like iDance. Yeah. yeah, there's like one that's in, in Tokyo that like, uh, I, I forget what it's called, but I looked it up. It's like, yes, this is an actual Tokyo radio station. Holy crap. Wow. Um, remember when I said a racing game can be really relaxing? Like, I think Turismo eventually did this, but they just, it was like, so jarring to hear regular classical music coming out of your racing game. It was so pleasant. We should to be- say what this is. Yes. PGR. Project This is Gotham Project racing. Gotham Racing. And yeah. the way I could tell when he was playing that clip was the clicking. Mm-hmm. And I loved that sound. I, I got just a, very much a Pavlovian response as you were playing it because mm. what the clicking was in that game and Project Gotham, it might not have been the first to do this, but certainly it... it advanced this uh to i think i think probably what would be our number one entry on the list really borrowed heavily from this what pgr would incentivize you for pulling off stunts and doing risky Mm. things like drifting around corners or going into the opposing lanes and stuff like that where it you would hear those little ticking credit Mm -hmm. things in the game so it was it was basically giving you points for style it was was like style even just driving well doing a perfect drift or uh taking a turn like besting a lap time like Mm -hmm. um i remember it was it was need for speed one of the things shift where they're like yeah we added what we called mid-race milestones which may as well have a trademark next to it it's such a silly term but that's what project gotham added because there needed to be a first party antidote to Gran Turismo, because Gran Turismo, while well, a huge seller, by the third time around, I'm like, dude, if you, if your tire sniffs the the grass a little bit, you might as well restart the game. It, it, there's no yeah. point in moving forward. You are going to lose. I would and, say and this, this isn't so much Gran Turismo because it's not truly sim. This this is that's probably the saying. precursor in my mind to Forza Horizon because it, yes. it is a game with a ton of car porn. It's yes. like, oh, look how amazing these car models are, but it's still squarely in arcade. That's, that's what I'm saying. There was yes. there was ways to progress on the track where you didn't have to restart every time you got passed by rubber banding yeah. AI. There yeah. was all these yeah. other things you could do to have fun, and uh, Forza. It took Forza a while to actually take a lot of that stuff, but uh, but yeah, Project Gotham did it out of the gate, and it was just kind of underappreciated. I think it had kind of a lame name, and uh, but it looked beautiful. It looked better than. Whatever the current Gran Turismo was, yeah, I How thought many it was funny. This game thinking it was a Batman racing game. Oh, yeah, I, oh, I'm sure yeah. more than a few, but that yeah. that uh, confusion is compounded. This came out of an earlier title for Dreamcast called Metropolis Street Racer. So you mm-hmm. go from Metropolis to Gotham. Ha ha! Very clever. Har har. Yeah, but I, yeah. And if people why did you don't say Martha? Why did rem- you say Martha? Why is your car <laughs> named Martha? <laughs> If folks don't remember, this is the series that spawned Ge- Geometry Wars, Bizarre Creation. Yes, is, it did. Yeah, bizarre I have a clip. Oh, anyway. Love it. Love <laughs> I think Geometry we've done an episode Wars. about that, haven't we? Games where you can walk up to arcade machines and yeah, play game, games, games within, within games. games. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think the legacy of Geometry Wars has shadow- overshadowed Bizarre Creation's 
contributions to racing games kind of heavily, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially because the company doesn't exist anymore. Thanks, Activision. Well, they uh, they did go out. Their their swan song was pretty amazing, though. James Fucking Bond. Blur. No, this oh, was the company that brought us Blur from Activision, yeah. and, they, and that's what killed right. them, which they took everything they learned in this series and then said... Let's combine it with kart racing elements and give them guns. And it was that, fucking dope. Like Blur It was still so is good. amazing. Blur is a bright, shiny, next-gen, or, you know, showcase. It is Mario Kart with Honda Civics and Porsches. It's fucking crazy. Why the didn't anybody think to do Blur that before? so good, too. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but PGR, PGR was great. It always reviewed well. I just think it... I think the public didn't realize how tired they were getting of the Gran Turismo series, and nobody wanted two of those. And yeah, I, I appreciate the effort. PGRs were there just two, or were so there, there three no? Or there four? were there were f- actually there were more than four. There were there was Metropolis Street Racer, Project Gotham okay. Racing One and Two both came out for the OG Xbox. Three yep. and four were three sixty exclusives. Four came out in two thousand seven, and then I think that's that's around when Activision bought them. Mm-hmm. And gobbled them up. Bizarre Creations got shut down after Blur's failure. But that was not the end of the series because in 2008, Project Gotham Racing Mobile came to the J2ME mobile oh. phone. I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. Then uh, Project Gotham Racing for uh, Symbian Wim- Windows Mobile. Isn't Symbian like a sex toy? Yeah, I'm thinking I of something it, else. I can play Project Gotham on my vibrator. <laughs> I can't wait to steer. And the final one was Project Gotham Racing <laughs> Ferrari Edition for guess what platform in 2009? Windows Windows Phone. So much worse. Uh, oh. What's the one with the side talking? Nope. Uh, Zune, Engage. Engage. You're, you're both wrong. Zune HD. It was what? Zune HD. Zune had exclusive <laughs> games? Where's the top so. five on that? Come on. Show you're us that learning Guardians. this along with me. James Gunn, you coward. Where was that in Guardians? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I yeah, kind of feel like that. I didn't know we had four of these or five. I, I don't. It, there was. We, it if had you count a, the mobile game, which I don't. But it uh, had a too too much too soon factor there as well. Yeah, like yeah, a uh, little bit of that too. Like that was another trend that yeah, was happening. Yeah, it was like is, every other year, starting mm-hmm. with well, every two thousand. Everyone thought you had to make annual racing titles, and that killed a lot of racing franchises because they were not meeting sales expectations, and and no one bothered to tell them like, yeah, it's because we don't we don't. This isn't Madden. We don't. We don't need yeah, a roster update mm-hmm. on our fucking racing car, car think, racing game. I think it was Gran Turismo that set the expectation. Like this racing game should be sixty hours. Like says who? Like when Daytona USA is three tracks, man. Like what are you talking about? And you always like, go left because yeah. it's NASCAR. <laughs> Rolling stop! Oh, right. I love that game. It's sixty hours Daytona. long. And at least 20 of those hours are devoted to long, slow pans over reflective surfaces of cars. But I think, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that, that did in a lot of game genres where, like, there's so many game genres that would work that couldn't justify themselves as $60, 60-hour experiences coming into the PS2 era. Yeah, I think that's, to, to me, that's what killed the racing game. It's we always joke about like late stage capitalism, capitalism run amok, but this is one of the things I get very annoyed at in the games industry of like I wish more companies would sort of do what Ubisoft finally ended up doing with Assassin's Creed and they were like enough shareholders. Sorry, but we can't do this annually. It doesn't work. People need to build up some anticipation. Like it, not every franchise needs to be annual. And mm-hmm. the smart companies and Ubisoft did this for for a good long while. 
you kind of put stuff in rotation. Be like, we're going to have yeah. a Watch Dogs one year, a Far Cry one year, and then the Assassin's Creed. And you get like a nice little rotation, and then, then people can look forward to that stuff again, you know? Yeah, I mean, even even Sonic having annual releases, every year's release is wildly different than the last. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the other trick, too, is if you're going to have a franchise or a brand you want to have a good portfolio strategy for that and, thing, and right? need for speed tried that but it was like crazy confusing <laughs> yes yes i don't think it, they ever it, like even forza is like it, it's obviously very clean and clear like motorsport is more the simi thing horizon is the arcadey thing but they don't really have a third option right and so yeah even i feel like every other year if they were to do that which luckily they did pull back the cadence a little bit is like that's too much like i i don't think i'd want a horizon every other year you know those games especially how big forza horizon has gotten it's like i just deleted horizon 5 from my hard drive like to make room for sarfield this like last week like i it's easy to fire up how do you feel about that decision (laughs) what we have a whole segment for that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh he likes it i love it anyway let's move along to number four that is a very wordy narrator for an early PlayStation game. Any guesses as to what this is? I, I know what this you. is because yeah. it was practically the PlayStation fucking mascot. Yeah, well, let's... Kaz Hirai, former CEO of PlayStation Computer Entertainment. It's Ridge Racer. Ridge Racer. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we remember a lot of them, and there's no better emphasis on too much too soon. The PlayStation 1 had five Ridge Racers and a Rage Racer? Oh god! It had a lot of Ridge Racers, was but Ridge it Racer me, part not... of that series. Yes, it yes. was confirmed. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it was absurd, yeah. it, and it was it was kind of signaling to the audience like these are big arcade games in Japan. It is amazing you can port these over to the PlayStation with this much fidelity. But holy shit, do we not need another one of these? And Kazuraya to get up on a stage and treat Ridge Racer 6 like the audience was in any way looking forward to these. These games are utterly indistinguishable. There's 23 of them. Yes. (laughs) So Ridge Racer, Ridge Racer 2, Rave Racer, Ridge Racer Revolution, Rage Racer, Pocket Racer, R4, Ridge Racer Type 4, uh, Ridge Racer 64, Ridge Racer 5, R Racing Evolution, Ridge Racer DS, Ridge Racer 2004, Critical Velocity, Ridge Racer 6, Ridge Racer 2 on PSP, uh, Ridge Racer 7, oh god, it goes on and on. There's Pachi Slot Ridge Racers. I think possibly the last, like, quote-unquote real Ridge Racer, you could say it's either Ridge Racer 7, which came out in 2006 as a PS3 launch title, or it's uh, Ridge Racer 3D for the 3DS. The last big one that came out was this thing. This is Shatter Bay. It triumphs above all. There are many of us that strive to destroy the hollow foundations this city was built on. We are the unbounded. We are lawless. The streets are ours. 
This is our city, and we thirst for the thrill of the ride and the smell of gasoline. Shut up! <laughs> what? So you what like fast? You like your bright, sunny if- arcade racer? You like the the model that changes a little bit with every installment? You like what? If fast and the Furious were goth? Uh, yeah. Like. God damn. Well, you, you mentioned that that one came out in 2011, but you didn't mention you did mention the other one was a launch title, but what you should have mentioned even for the 3DS one, and that's what I remember about Ridge Racer. This is the definition of Blue Ocean strategy. Like every time there was a new console launch, yep. there was a nice Ridge Racer waiting mm-hmm. for you because every mm-hmm. racing games are a fucking hella good way to show off your brand new shiny new console and everything it can do. Look how round these wheels are this generation. <laughs> and the folks, it was it Bandai Namco that did Ridge Race. Namco, yeah, yeah. Like it, it they predates Bondi, and they always had one ready as a launch title. Like for me, yep. Ridge Racer is synonymous with game launches. It, it used to be, yeah, yeah. But that that last one was Ridge Racer Unbounded, where it's just like now it's going to get all dark and destructive. Oh god! And yeah, it's, and it's, 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 I should say that while, with a sad glor- girl singing mm-hmm. an '80s song, while while glorifying the uh, you know the lost racing franchises, Ridge Racer was that thing like everybody I knew owned one, nobody cared about it. I mean, because it was almost like too arcadey to be on consoles. There was, yeah. like, really not a lot of content in there. Typically, yeah, typically not many tracks, not a lot of substance to the campaign mode, if there even was one. It was just kind of like, yeah, again, for me, it was, like, fun to play as a showcase, like a tech showcase, uh, perfect rental titles, to be honest with you, because, yeah, the that, content again, was I think that's, super that, lacking. That killed the small racing game genre as well. If you can beat this in a weekend, there's no point in... Boost it, boosting it up as a first-party title. My favorite thing about how little data might be in this game, I almost went crazy. I went over to my friend's house. He loads up Ridge Racer, and I'm playing, and he's like, dude, check this out. And he hits open on the PlayStation and pulls the disc out in the middle of my game. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? I'm freaking out. I'm having anxiety attack. What are you doing? You never do that. And there was so little data there. The game just, you can play the entire track. Everything behaves as normal, and he put it in his own music CD and played it in the PlayStation. I'd never seen that happen, and I honestly have no idea what other games that might work. It for. just loads the whole track into RAM at that point. Yep. It's just running yeah. purely well, on RAM. I mean, it, when you what... look at those games, there it's it really is like you know four Baker's dozens of triangles involved in the, rich ra- the early Rich Racer games. It, they're very, very crude. Well, lots of lots of games did that. I mean, uh, I don't know if you ever played the early Monster Rancher games, but they were basically built around doing that. But yeah, like, you would, but you would pop every open... Every CD was a different monster. Yeah, right? pop yeah. open the lid, put in any CD, and from the data on that CD, it would generate a random monster. Like, that was Ew. super cool. And I, I remember doing that with, like, a few other games where you could, like, put in a music CD and it would just start playing tracks off the music CD. It I was, love the idea that we probably at the time thought the monster was somehow inspired by the musical genre of that CD. When in mm-hmm. reality, it's like, it's just based on some hex code or some shit like that. that yeah. Just, monster, Rancher a, a monster Rancher had a Wesley Willis character already in the game. It did not <laughs> read what I put in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Ridge, Ridge Racer used to be so omnipresent, and we have not had one since, yeah, 2012, really. Sadly, probably most remembered at this point for that press conference. Yeah. That PlayStation, <laughs> yeah. the meme. Ridge Racer. Yeah, a guy waiting for applause for a series that, like, we'll play this when there's eight games at launch, but, mm-hmm. like, 
No one's looking forward well, to more of these. The thing is, you you watch that segment, and it's mm-hmm. kind of painful because he has to vamp. You know, he's like, "Oh, see if you can guess what game this is," and it just like sits there with like a PlayStation One logo, like the startup splash, for like. 10 seconds and he's like yes and this is really iconic too but like you know when it loads in you know we'll see if you can guess what it is from the loading screen which is really well now oh there it is uh and you know it's playing galaxian and like see see can you guess what this is and then like it's ridge racer ridge racer and like it must have been a a relief to him when that finally came along i didn't go to the the few remaining live sony press conferences but there are more fanboys at a Sony press conference than there are at a Nintendo one mm. who will cheer. I don't know. We were there as journalists, so kind of like, be cool, don't react. And at every mm-hmm. so- Fuck yeah, Sackboy! Sackboy pushes your shit in all day, Master Chief. Like, good God. <laughs> Show some professionalism. Yeah. Uh, I'll never <laughs> forget the it. last one I remember. Do you remember when it was the Ghost of Tsushima and they had the dude playing that unique mm-hmm. flute, like the mm-hmm. classic Japanese, but like... Everyone just thought, okay, this will be a transition. There'll be a big Ghost of Tsushima thing. And he played that flute for like five minutes straight. And everyone was trying to keep their enthusiasm up as they just listened to this classic flautist. And I'm this just is like, a this performance. is hilarious. <laughs> fucking the awesome. last person still got alive a better play- reception than Andrew W.K. Uh, That's that. ridiculous. Everyone yeah. should be excited to see Andrew W.K. Mm-hmm. He's not real. Everyone knows But that. yeah, like if, no if, if the PlayStation audience and attendance can't muster the enthusiasm for a Ridge Racer game... I think it's over. It's time to hang it up. Mm-hmm. Time yep. to uh, yeah. yeah. I think it's over, or whatever and, and, the cliche is about driving in that. Room. And I, I do, I do think that that was just kind of a quick answer to Sega because Sega, uh, the the not the Dreamcast Saturn had so many great arcadey racers on it that mm-hmm. Sony had to respond with something because. Do you have Daytona, Sega GT, anything like that? Like, no, but we... Uh, Namco, hey, hey, come over here. Show us that thing. Show yeah. us that thing. You guys do <laughs> arcade racing games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and to their credit about this game, there is... It's not realistic, but there was nothing no. quite like the drifting in Ridge Racer games. It was like clockwork, just like hit the brake, it's gonna or feather your brake a little bit, it's gonna kick into this ridiculous drift <laughs> animation and feeling where it's just like I feel locked into the drift right now. Like this should not be the way this is supposed to work, but uh, yeah. it was always fun. Hmm. Yeah, I, that's I, I'm shitting on it. I, I don't mean to say it wasn't fun. It was a perfectly yeah. fine. Yeah, Arcade Eraser. There just wasn't there wasn't enough to each game. There wasn't a lot of substance yeah. to Ridge Racer game. Yeah, and I, th- I think by the time they started adding substantial things to make each game different, most people had moved on. And to be fair to them, that's sort of the case with a lot of launch games for any new system. It's, mm-hmm. let's, let's Smugglers Run, anyone? Anyone oh, want to play beautiful. a little Smugglers Run? <laughs> like, oh, man. I loved doing the same mission 750 different yeah. times. Across the, the <laughs> same giant, wide-open desert map. Boy, mm. good times, that. Mm. But yeah, I mean, that, that's a lot of launch titles. It's people are rushing to get shit on there. And all they really have to care about is, does this thing look beautiful and pretty and showcase this new system? Is that the only discarded Rockstar racing series on, on this list? Uh, that I'm we still mentioned? waiting for Table Tennis 2. So, uh, do we have Midnight Club is what I'm asking. We, we don't. Matt, no, Matt said that great. it fills the same niche as PGR, which I don't know totally. if I totally agree. But Well, well it more fills the same niche as, niche as Need for Speed, like in terms yeah. of like yeah. the, hey, this is trying to be Fast and Furious. You mm-hmm. know, oh, yeah. Lots of big, heavy emphasis on street racing. But the, and, uh, the reason I didn't suggest it is personally, I, I never liked the feel of the racing in these games. To me, 
And okay, before you take this as an insult, Michael, please note that the new crew feels much better in this regard. The racing engine in Midnight Club to me always felt like the driving in GTA, which isn't great. Uh, that's sort of how the crew, when the crew one started, it felt like, wow, this feels like the engine from Watch Dogs. And then now the new crew feels fucking amazing. Like they've yeah. really nailed that racing engine, you know? So. I, I liked Midnight. I thought it went out with a bang with, uh, was Los Angeles the last one? There might yeah. have been one after that. I, I think but it, LA but was maybe the last one. A real, for the first time, like beautiful recreation of the city of LA. Whereas before it was just like individual tracks in the middle of, you know. Tokyo texture. <laughs> it's no and, true crime streets of LA, which it, but it did wasn't a not crime reproduce game. LA as it advertised. Well, it like, it was at all. weird, like going back and playing Midnight Club LA after playing GTA Five, mm-hmm. because GTA uh-huh. Five is such a like, even though it's not exact, it's a much better recreation of Los Angeles. Sure. Whereas, yeah, yeah Midnight Club LA is like it's just kind of gray and not all that fun. It's always dark. That's yeah. in the name. Mm-hmm. You know, but, what would be a good comparison. Similar comparison is Driver San Francisco with Watch Dogs Two. Like both their versions of San Francisco, and to see even those were only a few years apart, and Ubisoft yeah. totally progressed the tech where it's like I'd say Watch Dogs Two is probably a way more accurate portrayal of the city. Hmm. Didn't have my apartment in it, whereas Driver had our office building in it. I was pretty astounded taking a demo of, <laughs> of Driver San Francisco and like, no one adds in the Hitachi building where IGN is, let alone our building, which is across the street. <laughs> but um, did it have Marin, which is only represented by one street in one city in Marin of yeah, San yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, fun, fun fact slash 302010 plug. GTA 5 turns 10 years old next week. Wow. Meaning and and so if you're talking about well, we've got our top ab- 5 topic. <laughs> if you if you're talking about abandoned Rockstar franchises, anything that isn't Red Dead, there's been one game other than GTA 5 that Rockstar has made in a decade. In a decade. Good lord. Waiting on the Warriors too. <laughs> oh, love it. And maybe who knows. Let's move along to number 3. I know exactly what this is and which game it is. I know for a fact that is Prodigy's Firestarter in Wipeout XL. Yes. Second Wipeout game. I think that's still my favorite out of that whole series. I mean, like, I don't know if they're... Sometimes I wonder if there really was an electronic music boom out in America. We did have our prodigy, and Madonna did some weird stuff, and mm-hmm. that rave Slim culture existed. has like a big EDM. Oh no, scene. I, dude, I was very in ecstasy. Trust me, I was all over these musicians yeah, without I, really liking them. I, I feel like EDM and rave culture kind of left a bigger imprint in people's memories of like the late '90s Y2K era, because mm-hmm. that's what I see like when when people try to recapture that. It's like, you know, we but, weren't all wearing, like, bell-bottoms and tank tops. But that, that, that's what I love about the Wipeout series, because being that it was a European uh, developer, they sort of anticipated that. And the first Wipeout had that music, and the second Wipeout was like, here is the most popular things in this fucking genre in this game. And we'd seen licensed music in games before, but this is the first time I remember, like, games are kind of leading what they're licensing like some of these aren't even out yet and these are by big groups none of which I can name right now mm. uh, 
everything but the girl is that one of them? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> sure. Bob right, Bob I mean, Aoki. Yeah, fluke, <laughs> fluke with Adam Bomb, which had like a, a Wipeout themed music video on MTV mm. that had like animation, and then like kept listening for the song in the game, and it's just like, oh yeah, no, I think this is like an instrumental version of it because they'd strip out all the lyrics because the lyrics might interfere with gameplay. And I, I think crazy. this is another one where I would like, you know, pop out the disc and put I, in like, here's the real version of the oh, song. Okay. I couldn't remember if you could play the. Uh, anyway, uh, what I love about Wipeout, especially after just talking about Ridge Racer, here's how you utilize polygons. Mm. What if the whole car was a triangle? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And so it, it looked cool. It, mm-hmm. it compensated for like a lack of realism by making something surreal. Yeah. And I love this series. And yeah, Wipeout is basically like, what if F-Zero but also Mario Kart? So it has like the, the zero-G, high-speed, gravity-defying racing that typified F-Zero, especially like later F-Zero games. But it also lets you pick up missiles and mines and shit like that and just blast your opponents and, uh, you know, incapacitate them for a little while while you zoom ahead. And yeah. yeah, lots of you know cool sci-fi environments. Even though it's only supposed to happen in like I think twenty ninety seven or something like that. Uh, like oh, we're almost there. Race through the Mars that's, colony or whatever. That's when I'll be done paying off my mortgage. <laughs> and uh, I what uh, the and the thing I love most about my experience with the game, this became synonymous with PlayStation. Was it even on the PS one mini classic thingy? I can't I remember. Think so, yeah. I think it might have been, but it w- was Cyg- Cygnosis did these, right? Is that yeah, 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 yeah. W- were they a were they a first party owned developer or second party or just completely independent? Not it- at first, because if I wanted to, I could probably pop into the closet here and pull out my copy for of Wipeout for the Sega Saturn, where it launched at the exact same time. And somehow, huh. I think through like brutal marketing, Sony convinced the world like this is our franchise, and then eventually, I think made some purchasing and it became very much a PlayStation brand. Mm-hmm. But the first one, yeah, I had, I, it was one of the third, like a third game I owned of the Sega Saturn. And, and by the way, Wipeout, I feel like people, it's synonymous with this genre of like high speed futuristic racing. Yeah. Oh, it, it was, it was not on PlayStation classic also. That's, that's oh, weird, okay. oh, but okay. it wasn't first. It, it might, well, it might've been on the European version cause there were some different games right in that in that maybe anyway this was not the first of those i mistakenly in my head remember playing a game very similar to wipeout in arcades growing up and i could never place it and i finally remembered did you guys ever play stun runner in the arcades oh no Fuck. it was like it was like wipeout but it was a sit down a sit on looked like a motorcycle arcade cab but it was very early like polygon looking racing and so like hmm. Wipeout just kind of perfected that model, and Wipeout was faster than any of those other 3D racers before. Yeah, these, these games were, were so felt. fucking fast. And yeah. it, it, while feeling more real than F-Zero, and the big credit I want to give it is, you know, part of racing games uh, not being as popular is not innovating very much. And, like, you get... It, it, it took, I think, until the Forza games... No, I think it was... G- Turismo were like, yeah, the the uh, shoulder buttons are your gas and brake. That wasn't even really happening back then. And you I remember you used your sho- shoulder buttons and wipe out to sort of lean into the anti gravity thing and help right. uh, and help yeah, yeah, yeah. like lean your ship. Yep. No, no game had really utilized 
the shoulder buttons for any racing functionality until uh, until I remember playing Wipeout. Yeah, Mario yeah, Kart, every, everything was X, X yeah, but button you, was gas. Like the that first, just, the first Mario Kart did for like it's corners. true, it's true. But like there, there was like a realism thing there. Like, oh shit, this is a weird hovery. It's you can feel it. The same controls on the plane and uh, moto thing, Motorfest. Uh, yeah, like when you're on the plane, you can do different things in the air to steer your plane because it has a different uh, what do you call it? I'm losing my words, but yeah, I love no, that I th- about Wipeout. To, to get really totally good at it, you had I hadn't considered with this, which is like, yes, it's a racer, but it was it was a hover racer. It was yeah. it also it nailed that that physics engine where it felt like a hovery thing. It wasn't wasn't quite a ground racer. wasn't quite like didn't have the feel of like a wave race like water racer but it, mm-hmm. it just nailed you you really did feel like you were suspended yeah. a couple feet above the ground yeah because friction was fast you could yeah. lean in lean into the walls a little bit a lot more than you could in a regular racing game because you weren't slowing down as much mm-hmm. you could ba- you could sort of bounce off a wall it was really cool and this is in a you know in a dead heat with f-zero for inclusion in our list but uh by the time you hear this there might have been a new f-zero game announced so we're playing it cautious <laughs> too cautious, I would say, because I would love to talk about F Zero. But uh, uh, well, let's talk about the differences yeah, between those two franchises really quickly. So, like, you know, I, for some reason, my I, I didn't play. I didn't play a lot of the GameCube F Zero. F Zero to me, I always remember the Super Nintendo version, which is like kind of like floating above a Mode Seven, you know, yeah. track yes. that is rotating around you. Texture whatever. really. Like, <laughs> Wipeout never really had that. Wipeout was always doing crazy shit with the track and all that. But uh, so, what? What in your guys' minds? Like, what are what are the main differentiators? As well, we say, in you, the you can't world, shoot missiles in F Zero. That's yeah, like the, homing, the biggest well, you can. thing. But homing, uh, homing missiles and uh, uh, F Zero would find really unique ways to end up distinguishing itself. And I, I always applaud f-zero x for like why does this look so crazy and cool and like no one had the term for 60 frames a second is happening it's it looks astonishing and then when they start adding remember like extreme g (laughs) that was another futuristic racing series they were like look it's like wipeout but with um hills (laughs) none of those games had hills they they didn't they had they had minor gentle slopes if anything yeah banking turns but not like and f-zero like their response to the wipeout series is like now you're just flying upside down on a snake tube and it's exhilarating and then f-zero gx is probably the one everybody should play because it's pretty batshit because it it's something it's why i always assumed the series would remain dead it's a very hard game very challenging was, where like, wipeout was, was not and f-zero yeah. kept getting harder and also it leaned into like there's like 60 characters and they all talk and the nostalgia factor makes me smile at the f-zero gx cutscenes, but i did not at the time like this is awful why did you add this like like <laughs> this one for example you're the famous falcon he's i beg of you enter the bet race what well Please, consider it an old man's last request. Just calm down. We will shortly be closing registration for the next race. The next race is going to start. Hey, where do you think you're taking me? Wait. That's Captain Falcon who's like, oh, what is going on? Falcon object. Uh, <laughs> not only is that music hard coded in those cutscenes, so is the fucking equalization. Like, don't you have a QA team? What the fuck are you yeah, doing? Yeah, why are we hearing the music louder than the talking? What the hell? Yeah. 
Um, but but the, yeah. the, the the thing is that like the first F Zero for Super Nintendo was like it was a Mode Seven tech demo showcase, and but like mm-hmm. what Matt said, a, show, a graphical yeah, showcase. But but later F Zeros, like like you guys were saying, it's about the speed. It's about like mm-hmm. we're gonna have crazy ass tracks. They're gonna go super fast. They're gonna look super pretty, and mm-hmm. like it's it's not like there it's it's an aggressive racer, but you're not like blowing up your competition. You're trying to get past them. I think GX uh, has like a like a spin thing where you can like use it to bump other racers, but that's that's you, about you as violent kill, as it gets. You can't kill the or will blow them up. They'll mm. respawn. Right, but yeah. yeah, you had an, you had an energy bar in um in F Zero. Yeah, mostly for turbo though. Oh that, yeah, you did have a health bar. There were little pickups. It was it was about like yeah, bumping each other. But another yeah, which reminds me of another thing didn't make the list because I don't consider it a pure racing series, but Road Rash all about mm, bumping, bumping and rash. rubbing. Oh yeah, if you're I, I not rubbing, you're not racing, boys. We sort of left out some of those like non-straight racing games because like those, I feel they they find their way to become modes in other games because mm-hmm. they are. Road Rash is a universally fun concept. Like the first, I, I just like the expression "non-straight racing." <laughs> All these goddamn woke pride racing oh. games over here, Chris. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, I can't. What was that? Can't... What was that character Sasha Baron Cohen did? He was straight Dave. Was that what he called oh, himself? Yes. Straight Dave. Uh, I thought you were talking about his Ricky Bobby character. Nah, I um, that too. Straight Dave is hilarious, and it, see, it sounds like a, a character Ted Cruz will pull out like any moment. Right. <laughs> what is what is Straight Dave from? Was he from the Borat sequel? Uh, Bruno. Oh, it was Bruno when he did the cowboy character, got and then they started it, making it. out in the MMA ring, and people almost literally killed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to have a tunnel to get them out. Good lord! <laughs> it's a great story if you ever, ever hear him tell it. Straight Dave. Uh, all right. Well, let's move along to number two. Get ready. Ah, the happiest game about you and your surfer girlfriend being thrown clear from the wreckage as your car <laughs> bounces down the side of the road. Yeah. I forget about that. Yeah, man. Outrun was dope. Yeah. Outrun is... One so of my uh, favorite series. I have. I'm looking at the original arcade marquee. Can't get the cab, but I have the marquee with me at all times. It's one of my. I think I've said it before, but like, Outrun wasn't just a game I loved and appreciated. It's how I thought my life was going to end up, and that did <laughs> not happen. <laughs> I did not get that car or that girl or spend enough time in the coast of California driving anywhere. Outrun is like before there was the whole synthwave craze. Before b- before that Horizon became a computer Horizon, it looked like Outrun did, basically. It was that Ferrari in an actual cartoony world setting uh, with you and your cool pink. Was like a, it was like a very Miami Vice feeling uh, get up yes. this guy had. Yes, you could be Don Johnson. It's pretty tough, but I played the absolute shit on this when they released the 3DS 3D version. I just... It was so fun to pick up and play, and like if you can get to the end of that game, you are an outrun master. Oh, those those Sega 3DS games amazing with the, yeah, with, with like you yeah. know just taking these simple arcade games and like throwing some basic 3D layering effects in there. It's like why so more cool. people didn't do that, I have no idea. Yeah, it was like just Namco and Nintendo. Nintendo did it with your favorites, Urban Champion. 
and, <laughs> and Kid Icarus. Yeah, Ugh. I think it feels like did someone greenlight this first to kill the project? Like, right. the, so we never have to make another one of these. Nobody wanted Urban Champion at the time. It's not even mentioned in one-on-one fighting games, even though it is. I think other than arcades, the place I've played OutRun games the most is probably Yakuza games inside yeah. the arcades and Yakuza. Because there's, like, achievements tied to, like, getting beating beating the game, you know, like, making it all the way around and, and starting again. Yeah. I did not realize how many OutRun games there were prior to A ton. researching this list. So, yeah, the ones that I remembered were, of course, OutRun and OutRun 2006, when it had Amazing. the big console revival on PS2. What but, about OutRunners? Well, I'm about Out, to get into that. So our, in arcades, there were four games, OutRun Turbo, OutRun, OutRunners, and OutRun 2. But on Sega, Master System, and Genesis, we also had OutRun 3D, Battle OutRun, OutRun Europa, Outrun 2019, which was the obligatory futuristic entry. Ha ha ha. Oh, God. oh no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Outrun 2006, Coast to Coast, which sounded like this. Get ready. Awesome. And Outrun Online Arcade. What I remember about the first, the original OutRun cabinet was just like the tactile sensation of the controls. Like it was a stand-up cabinet, but it like, I remember the wheel having like force feedback. When you crashed. Yeah, but it would also like pull against you like on turns. And and it had a, a gas pedal that behaved like a real gas pedal. It had, I think, a gear shift. It was super cool. Uh, it's still still fun to play. Like the the speakers are like really loud right next to your head as you start. Yeah, playing. I, I really want the arcade one up reissued recent semi recently an outrun cab with all those with the other four outrun games on them. Oh, nice! With the wheel and the pedals, and it's just like after the pandemic, they're like, man, eh, we think these cabs are be double what we were charging before. <laughs> they should be six hundred dollars instead of three hundred, and like. Uh, uh, okay, let me see if I could find another sale, and I never did. But like, I really, really do miss the the wheel in arcades. Getting and a it, really well built wheel is yeah. kind of why I can see that costing more. Like, good racing wheels are very expensive, I and, and I will think say, if you're making an arcade racer without a wheel, mm-hmm. what are you doing? What are you? What are you doing? What are you really doing? And it's it's it's. It's fun to remark. I'm like, what a what, why no outrun? It's like you can't say outrun didn't have its time in the sun. It has a lot yeah. of different, <laughs> distinct games, and uh, it, it looking. I, I have the marquee because it's so fucking 80s. It is mm-hmm. everything about it is like 80s. Maybe that's mm-hmm. just where it belongs, uh, and it's not like we can't go revisit it. Yeah, I, I remember when 2006 came out. Like it seemed to set off like a minor movement mostly in like the editorials of uk game magazines about like bring back blue sky gaming like this this idea like we want color we're so sick of Mm. these these you know shades of brown and sepia that characterize games of this era i was too Mm. just tired of tired of games looking like a, a southern barbecue plate Every shade of brown represented here. It's brown and it's bloom lighting, and that's it. (laughs) But but yeah, what color's that sky? Smoke. (laughs) Soot. But an unironic pink sky in Outrun. It was like kind of the first game I remember seeing that, and it just it always made me feel good. Still does. Hmm. As does all the art, the original arcade art. It's so pretty. 
uh, so much fun to look at. Yeah. And I just loved, yeah, when you crashed, like Michael said, when he introduced it, like you would just go flying from your Ferrari. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> I, I, re- I remember, like, that made it into, like, an anti drunk driving commercial. Like, they showed a thing of that, and it's like, there is no reset button in real life. Right. Something like yeah. that. But speaking. Unless, unless you're rich. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> speaking of crashes. If you can hear my voice, which you are right now, then you're listening to Crash FM. Racers are returning to the U.S. with the promise of faster times and bigger and better crash junctions just around the corner. Me, I'd be Striker. I keep it kind of real. Only sometimes. But who cares? You're listening to Crash. I'm so... I'm so fucking mad at myself that I know that Striker because a I love this game series so much, but Striker was a, was a radio disc jockey in Los Angeles yeah, for he's a years real guy. before he did this. And I remember one year I was sitting at a video game award show, and Striker was sitting a few rows ahead of me, not in good seats, by the way. That that's where he was on the totem pole. We were, we were up in, in the nosebleeds. But uh, this is my favorite racing series of all time. The racing series, eh, maybe Forza is to surpass it in terms of hours spent, but fucking Burnout is the epitome and the best in class. It is the best racing series that's ever existed. It's a travesty that this team basically got absorbed by the Need for Speed team, and then they just ceased to be what they were, and yeah. Burnout was, oh man, they from, just from, said, the, you from want, the first game. You want to own amazing. Need for Speed now? It's, it's like Don Draper being offered Coca-Cola. well it's like you know we were talking project gotham earlier about like incentivizing you to race dangerously Mm -hmm. burnout had from the first game and and they got better with each iteration too and especially when they added all the uh the incentivizing you for wrecking the other cars and races and stuff and like burnout uh, takedown and all that but from the from the start it was always do dangerous shit to build up your burn meter and then hit that and that's going to be your nitrous boost and it's going to last for longer if you do more dangerous shit you'll if you stay in the oncoming traffic lane we're going to keep giving you more boosts and it was like this game had the perfect sense of speed it had the perfect loop with that burn meter in takedown when they started adding like now we're going to create specific races where you just have to crash like 10 cars along the way like so many good things in fact my least favorite burnout is the last one i don't like paradise as much as i like the other burnout game oh you don't like like listening to this song all the time at the start this is crash fm and i'm dj atomica fresh from radio big to be your guide to the streets of paradise city first thing we need is a picture for your learner's permit this will have to do for now if you had a usb camera connected we could have used something more personal Here's what here's what infuriates me about that game mm. in particular. Mm-hmm. And 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 sorry, Matt was mentioning earlier. Yeah, the the criterion the uh, the uh, burnout team got basically absorbed into the Need for Speed system. Uh, it's still a better alternative. By EA, by the way, we should say first. Yeah, they. I think they, they were already owned by EA at that. But, Burnout no, I, is mean, their I think series. EA published the Burnout games, but I, then okay. I think they bought the studio. That must have something to do with it. Because uh, the other indignity, the Bizarre Creations, I don't know that their last game was Blur. I think their last game is they were absorbed into greater Activision and ended up working on one of those James Bond games. Like, just, yeah, we don't want to make the driving. You do that it. That sounds familiar. You yeah, do it. And, and so yeah, EA has released, re-released... Two racing games, as far as I know, remastered. 
Burnout Paradise and uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Both Criterion games, both true to the spirit of Burnout and one being a Burnout game. If the series meant nothing to you, why did you re-release it? What what data did you? Why have you re-released it so many times? Why 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 ignore this franchise? It just seems so strange. You're telling us, yeah, we think a burn Burnout Paradise remastered will sell. Yeah, you still own the team that makes them. What is what are you talking about? <laughs> it's well, it's it's like you know when they they published Titanfall and then you know launched Battlefield right on top of Titanfall, right on top of Call of Duty. It's like. You didn't have to do that. You you could have mm-hmm. done alternating years or give me a need for speed, make that a different thing, yeah. and then give me a burnout game. Like, you don't need to put them both out in the same year. Well, I guess if you're EA, maybe you do. And then, yeah, and did you happens. did you remaster Need for Speed Carbon? Or <laughs> Need for Speed? <laughs> need for Speed uh, uh, Heat, uh, heat you can still buy. But yeah, like a ton of Need for Speed games. They haven't bothered to even make available through any, like, PlayStation Classic or anything. But this, they've... Yeah, we should remaster this. People liked it and it sold well. Then, like, why don't you readdress the series? What's going the on? Way, the, the other thing I haven't even mentioned is the entire other half of the original game. One of the reasons I didn't like Paradise is because it, it was harder to find this mode. The racing was amazing in Burnout. Crash Breaker. Mm-hmm. But you were there for the Crash Breaker mode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the I shit think it did with physics. This is like GTA in that it's a game that, like, became super visible on the third installment. So Burnout 3 Takedown was like a huge like game of the year contender the year oh, that yeah. it came out and uh it, yeah it was that what made it the most fun was stuff like this take one insane burner a street filled with traffic a car filled with boost and ignite I love the the physics playground that like you you're given an intersection and said like hit this go as fast as fucking possible and try to crash into the biggest most destructive thing you could so you what you would try to do is like you're collecting coins to to mm-hmm. get like bonuses and then you try to smash into like is there a semi over there that's carrying a bunch of stuff smash yeah. into it spread the payload all over the road it will yeah. crash other cars as other cars consecutively crash. Like it will count down, and like like once like seven cars crash or something, you get to activate the crash breaker, crash break. which is now you make your car explode and you can direct <laughs> it in midair to hit more things. And I it's love it. You can, so you can much st- fun. Steer the corpse of your car. Yeah. Like the it, be- it becomes. Like it's basically like a bowling game within a oh, car uh, racing. Yeah. You know, I was going to call it what it is. This is suicide bomb. That's what this is. <laughs> Run into the biggest crowd you can, mm-hmm. and then detonate a bomb at the last second. That and, and yeah. damage as much as you can. I, I did see a video that was now. Like, I know why they may have not redressed the series <laughs> due to how well that joke went over. Yeah. I did see a video that was like burnout gameplay versus burnout lore, and like burnout gameplay, like yay, it's fun, everything's sunny, it's super fast. Listening to cool tunes that, from bands that you've totally forgotten about, and then the lore is like. Crash FM is turning everyone who listens to it into a suicidal <laughs> driver who's causing vehicular manslaughter. It's like, I don't know if that's actually the lore. I think the lore is just like, we're suspending death and injury. It's just all about the fun yeah. of crashing. <laughs> 
And even during the races, like you could crash spectacularly and then you could use like slow motion and aftertouch to sort of, again, steer the corpse of your car around, rack up more damage, maybe even take down an opponent. See, that's, you know, the title takedown. You're taking down your opponents by making them crash. But it's almost as fun to crash yourself. Yeah, I mean, like if you haven't seen the actual Japanese run of Speed Racer, that dude is a mass murderer. He kills so many fucking people. <laughs> yeah, him and Tintan, always with the guns. Yeah, mur- like, but on the road, Speed straight up murders people all oh, the time. Yeah, I even like. Did you guys have ever played? It was on mobile, and then there was like an Xbox Arcade version. It was just an overhead crash. All it was was the crash. Mode. Yeah, it's not the same. It was I know. Burnout crash. It was just called Burnout Crash, but it had that weird sound. It would play the beep, beep. It's like this uh, stupid song whenever you did it's, that stuff. It, yeah, you're thinking of uh, Dr. Beat by Gloria Estefan. That's and th- the one. That's whenever, that's like, ambulances would spawn. Yeah. It's, it's, it's infuriating things like that. That like, EA was was listening to your feedback. It just didn't hear a lot of want to hear a lot of it. No. Here's your Crash Breaker game of uh, mm-hmm. Need for Speed bur- par- Burnout Burnout Paradise Remastered, but we'll never address the Burnout series again. But even the, the original creators, so eventually, like, tends to happen with all corporate acquisitions. Like, the mm-hmm. dudes who made that magic happen left after probably the, their, their stock stuff got vested. Uh, they formed Three Fields Entertainment. They've made several games. I haven't been interested in any of those games. I played the demo for one. I'm like, this isn't this isn't Burnout. I, they, they I know we Danger sh- Zone, Dangerous Golf, Lethal VR, all of these based around this crashing mechanic. It just hasn't been the same as Burnout. They haven't been able to capture that magic again. It's- Danger Zone is pretty fun. And if you can pick it up on sale, I say do it. Because it's it's it is like only kind of wreck shit. Yeah. But really like uh but what I hated about Burnout Paradise is I don't always want to drive to my level. <laughs> that's that's the problem is is and I think even Forza does this to this day where they they mistakenly think like oh I want to drive in your huge open world to get to the race and all I want to do when I play a Forza game like the way I know I've beaten the game is if I've unlocked everything enough with, so that I can fast travel anywhere for free without having to pay the stupid cost Forza charges you because all I want to do is let me just fast travel to that race, mm-hmm. and then I will do that fucking race. Like, I don't need to drive 100 miles across a huge map to get to this race. No, I love the solution you. Motorfest had to that issue. Yes. <laughs> turn into a plane. If you it don't want to drive, just turn into hilarious. a plane. <laughs> it's a lot of which fun. Is, which is what I do in Far Cry, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to drop out of a plane and skydive to my mm-hmm. location. Like, that's that's the best. Now, and you can do that. Your car will not be harmed by the drop it's, from however high up you I are. Shouldn't, we're not even talking about it yet, but it's like Fast and the Furious 5 if your plane turned into a car and like, I'm going 300 miles an hour in the air, and you can just turn into a car 20 feet above the earth and scream down at 300 miles an hour and keep it going. It's exhilarating. It rules. Over under, um, which number in the series of Fast and Furious movies will Dom eventually just turn into a car? <laughs> I, I think uh, 30 2010 had to talk about the 30th anniversary of Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, and I think that's the only way Fast and the Furious can go at this point. They have to go back in time and meet <laughs> Steven Spielberg's no, dinosaurs. No, I, I, think, I think Matt's on to something. It'll just become a long episode of Turbo Team. Turbo Team, baby. <laughs> We're all one big family. And he, he won't have to appear on screen. He can just voice act as the car. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. Every, nobody look at me. I'm going through car puberty. Puberty. <laughs> uh, Vin Diesel rules in how much he sucks. <laughs> he, he found a hey, dude. Give him credit. He found a niche and he stuck with it. And every time he tried to go outside that niche, he failed yep. miserably, like every gloriously. Time. Yeah, his most success outside of Fast and the Furious is saying three words at varying volume for Guardians. <laughs> I, you might argue Pitch Black and then actually the video game Escape from Butcher Bay, which is way oh, better yeah. than anything the movie, the Riddick movie did. If, if I, I just had to watch Riddick for 30, 2010, and I could, like, the opening of that movie is just silence. He's the only human, and fending, like, Everywhere he walks, he finds a new species of animal that he has to find a unique way to fight. Like that is a great game, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that would be an amazing game. Like why? That's the only thing I want to see. Maybe that's where Riddick should live. Yeah. Games. <laughs> sure. Yes. Then we don't I mean, have he to remark a studio on it. at one point, didn't he? Or maybe he still does. I, I think, uh, it his studio's name is on it. I forget what it is. Uh, yeah, it's Tygon. 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 Yeah, Starbreeze is a studio that did Escape from Butcher Bay, and okay. uh, the was it Assault or Escape from Dark Athena? Uh, I never. Really You're the Wikiparas. Yeah, there was a but sequel it, uh, that came out that came with like for 360 and PS3 that came with a remastered version of Escape from Butcher ah. Bay, and that's all I played. I never played the sequel. Uh, but you're not you, you're not a true Tygon fan. I guess not. ancient Chinese secret, huh? <laughs> All right. So that has been our top five about dead racing franchises that we wish would come back already. Uh, it's overdue. Bring them back. But on that note, we're going to take a little break, and when we get back, we're going to get into some news: the Nintendo Direct and Sony State of Play, and of course, the unavoidable Unity fiasco. And more talk about the Crew Motor Fest and a ton of other games. In the meantime, we're going to go out on "Let's Go Away," the Daytona Championship USA theme. Stay tuned. Get scratching. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. To tell me more about not only a trip to Japan, the the most recent person I know to go to Tokyo Disney Sea. Biggest, bestest, most expensive Disney theme park in the entire world as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Most expensively built, maybe not to visit right now with the strength of the dollar. Hey, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to Tokyo Disney Sea twice to the point where, ask me if I'd go again. Would you go again, Chris? I don't know that I would. That place has three hour lines for everything. Well, the thing that I did, because the ticket, you know, with the with the conversion rate and stuff like that, the, the ticket itself to the park was only $70. Damn, really? Which, which is like half as expensive as Disneyland. Yeah. Right? 
Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And welcome back to our second segment where we're going to dive headlong into that vast expanse known as... talked about Starfield some last week. Starfield? Starfield? <laughs> Where's that even coming from? I don't know, because it's more of a Fred Flintstone thing. Yeah. <laughs> John's is more I only like do a, two impressions. Starfield? <laughs> Starfield? <laughs> My cat is cooler than me. It's hard to do John Arbuckle. <laughs> right. Yeah, I feel like we might be blending, like, Mr. Wilson from Dennis the Menace, like how he would say, like, Dennis? Like, but we're, we're making uh, him say Garfield. Like, so. Starfield? My pebbles! Yeah. Um, which I think I said last week too. Uh, so we we have mixed opinions on this. I am like sure thirty do. hours in, and I'm having a blast and getting hung up on stuff like uh, starship design and maximizing. Like, okay, how many cargo holds can I add to this thing and still move? Because there's a I don't know if you guys saw this. There was a glitch discovered in like the last twenty four hours where if you go. To uh, Aquila, the the cowboy planet. I'm about to be there. Yeah. There's a general store called Shepherd's, and out in front of Shepherd's is a magic mud puddle. And if you look at the right yeah. spot, you can loot the entire store's inventory. You just <laughs> a menu will pop up, and you will just hit the button, and you can grab everything, and it, you'll be like overburdened by like a thousand pounds. But it's cool. Yeah. You just walk so- slowly. You can walk back into the store, sell the guy's stuff right back to him. Uh, take it to your ship and add a bunch of cargo of, holds. Of course like I you did. can. Of course you can because, mm-hmm. and this leads me to my biggest complaint mm-hmm. about the game, because this is a Bethesda game, mm-hmm. and I think I did this to myself. I think I believe I said on the show I was trying to avoid as much marketing about Starfield as I could because I wanted it to be a surprise, and I'd been. But what I had been told is like. Don't worry, this isn't just going to be rinse, repeat. This isn't going to be Space Elder Scrolls or Space Fallout, right? And I'm, I think the biggest disappointment to me about this game is actually that's exactly what it is. It is, if you've played a Bethesda game, you know, for the most part, everything to expect about this game. The same weird bugs, like, like the mud puddle thing, like you mm-hmm. just mentioned. This The same... Um, mission structures, the same weird uh, dead-eyed NPCs, like all of that stuff is here. And I was just expecting, I don't know, maybe it's my my fault. I was expecting something next-gen. Like they've been working on this thing forever. Mm. This is supposed to be this big tech showcase for Xbox Series X and and obviously, you know, runs on PCs too. But like, I don't see any of that. I, I personally, and this is just Matthew speaking here, I don't speak for Michael or Chris, but like, I think I've been telling you guys, you like, speak for me. visually, it's not exciting to me. I, I don't think it particularly looks that good or current gen even. It looks kind of last gen are, in, are in you, a lot of Are you of still parts. having trouble running it on but, PC? Like, but I took Michael's advice, but I also I, I have it on my Series X as well. So okay. I have yeah. Series X. But I took I Michael's advice and just tried the, the streaming, the, the cloud, tried the mm-hmm. cloud version on PC to see, okay, well, that should be the best looking. Now, obviously, cloud games have that weird... Uh, it's like that weird gauze-looking effect over the yeah. screen for some reason, like almost like there's a filter on it. But like, almost visually, like it's buffering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly what it is. It visually, it's just uninteresting. Mission structure, uninteresting. 
one of my big complaints is like I try in Bethesda like look I love Bethesda games I've been on board since Morrowind Morrowind but I think my problem is like I noticed this in Fallout 4 as well because they haven't been changing that much like I kind of feel like the industry passed by that formula in a lot of ways and I have just personally sort of gotten my fill of that Bethesda formula by this time which is why Mm. I was so excited oh this is gonna have all this new shit and there's just not enough new shit. All I see is, oh, that's that system from Fallout 4. This is just, they just put a different skin on it. Oh, that's that system from, you know, whatever, Fallout 76 or whatever. Like, it's all the same shit, just in a new package, a slightly different way. And the other big complaint I have about it is, like, <sighs> the game has this weird habit, <laughs> peculiar way of surfacing the worst shit to you to do next in terms of the side content like from everything i hear from people the main missions good story can you know he <laughs> has a good pace stuff like that but like for some reason every side mission i chose to do is the dumbest most boring <laughs> shit it's like it's like fucking here find five uh, electric panels in the in the well here and oh it was someone trying to siphon money from the bank I fucked around, but I, I haven't done any side missions, and they just started, like, popping up all over the place. And it's like, main quest, go rescue the char- one of the charismatic main characters. Then I walk by, apply for a job at the garbage factory, added to your objectives. <laughs> like, yep. what? what the fuck? Yep. <laughs> yeah, because you, because you walked by some NPCs talking, and you, you eavesdrop, basically, and that gets added. Or I had I one mission that I just completed without even realizing I did, because it's like, take this jewelry and drop it off at this planet. And I just landed on the planet, and it's like, the mission finished. And I'm like, what? Not even, like, me taking this to an NPC and maybe trying to rob him of more? Like, it's just... I didn't want to rub anything in, but when when you mentioned Smuggler's Run, that to <laughs> me is like all Bethesda games in a nutshell. <laughs> I'm a very interesting character. Will you walk across the world, do something, and then walk back to me? And but the, the thing the other Bethesda games had that this one doesn't, um, and it's structured differently, and, I, and I, I do appreciate that they were going for something different. So, I was telling you guys, one of the first side missions I attempted, it's like, um, scan this entire planet. You gotta get a 100% scan, which the way mm-hmm. you scan in this game is you have to find, you have to scan every creature multiple times to get to 100%. You have to scan minerals multiple times. You have to multiple scan times, plants. Just once. The minerals no. you you have to scan once. It's the the plants and animals that you have to scan. Oh, plants and animals times. you have to scan at least like six times before Although, it gives you that 100%. Fun fact that I found out, if you kill animals, that counts as scanning them. What? Uh, okay. Still doesn't <laughs> make it any more fun. your scan. It really? So, so I go fun. to this planet, and, and the point I'm trying to make, though, is I'm trying to do, like, accomplish these goals, and I'm like, okay, well, there's, oh, I see that on my scanner, there's a cave in the distance. I go to that cave. There's nothing in the cave. I go to another cave. There's nothing in the cave. I go to a fucking third cave, and there's a guy there. I'm like, oh, fucking great. Awesome. This is going to be an NPC amazing story. He's like, yeah, I got I, my ship's over there, but uh, there's all these creatures. You got to get me to my ship. I start walking toward his ship. And I kid you not, it took me 10 real world minutes to reach that gentleman's ship because like for some reason it didn't place it kind of close to the cave and there was nothing in between us and the ship. I'm like, how did, what, what enemies were, were, (laughs) did you flee from? There's no one around. This is a barren planet. It's just in previous Bethesda games, when you walked in direction, you were bound to run into some shit and encounter towns, adventures in this game. When you're on a planet, you walk in a direction 
there is nothingness for for long stretches of time. You're not going to stumble upon a town. You know, all all the interesting shit you fast travel to in this game. That is kind of disappointing. That there are just like other Bethesda games. Exploration was the fun. That's the joy. That's the like point. you're you're yeah. wandering around. You're going to find something interesting. This game has that to a degree. Uh, most of the stuff that I've seen other people talk about happens in space. The problem is like you know. There's not a huge amount of incentive to just travel around in your spaceship because it's sort of like this half step between you and your next destination. It's, it's often pretty easier useless to just, as a spaceship. <laughs> yeah, you just you just pick your destination and fast travel there. Uh, but it is possible while being out in space to meet random interesting characters. Like I met a guy who came up to me and started talking about my ship's extended warranty, and I told him to fuck <laughs> off. And now I'm realizing like that probably would have led to something interesting if I'd said like, "Yes, I'm very interested. Tell me more." Yeah. Um, I saw someone else talking about uh, they met a character named Grandma who hailed them and invited them aboard her ship. And, yeah, she just wanted to give them food. Like, that's neat. And, and show off, like, her grandkids, pictures of her grandkids. Like, that's, yeah, that's kind of cool. If if I can weigh in here, and I really don't want to, because mm. I, I don't, I don't, I don't relish in yucking anybody's yums. And I have, I enjoyed Fallout 3. Uh, and then almost no other Bethesda game. And I am enjoying uh, the, they, they did this on New Vegas. Right? Are you a new Vegas guy? Let me get to it. Okay. Can I finish my earlier thought? Oh, sorry. Sorry. I thought, I, yeah. No, I, it's, it's, you know, that, that stuff happens out in space, but then you get onto like planet side. And like Matt said, like you're wandering around, there's nothing like there's, mm. there's terrain to jump over. There's things to scan, but like, you're not going to find anything unique or cool maybe maybe you'll find like a pirate outpost or something like that and you can ransack it that's always fun but i i I found like an abandoned outpost with a ship Mm -hmm. and then it did one of that game's weird quirks i got in the ship and and flew it away and it's like you own this ship now and we docked your other ship somewhere and now i gotta go find that other ship you don't don't have to go find the other (laughs) ship you just can switch between the ships at anything but it, it will make whatever ship you pick your main ship and all your people and cargo will transfer over to that, which is yeah. sort of disappointing. I wanted to maintain a fleet, but but even is it just me or like when you're when you're on the planet trying to go from point to point, there's just not enough creatures to kill. I'm like, there should be a lot more creatures on this wide open on planet. Two for planets me to kill. With, with no creatures. I mean, yeah, there there are a lot of worlds that are completely barren. There was a world where like I had to go there as part of the main quest, and I kept getting mobbed by these herds of like giant headed fly creatures that were kind of gross but uh it's just that feeling of like why are we in we're in the future why does nobody have cars why can i not (laughs) fly my ship through the atmosphere to get where i'm going faster why do i have to walk everywhere across these like vast empty landscapes with a by the way with a really shitty terrible oxygen mechanics it it almost looks as much as their encumbrance system which is so that's that's where i wanted to go I don't consider myself a fan of that. Maybe Dishonored. That's them, right? Mm, uh, no. Di- no? Oh, Same publisher, different yeah. studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not a fan. I did, I did not get into Fallout, any of the other Fallouts other than 3, and Skyrim was like... Anyway, I'm enjoying this way more than I've enjoyed any Bethesda game. It makes me really miss Mass Effect for a lot of reasons, but in terms of like mm-hmm. the universe it sets up, I think... Visually, it looks very good on the on the Series X. I don't have a gaming PC to compare it to. I I think it it's well 
it's a beautiful, beautifully designed world. I love the music. I, I love interacting with the characters. I love learning more about the world. I am also a guy who liked No Man's Sky at launch and mm. just scanning zinc. It's like, oh, this is pretty fun. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is pretty fun. It's relaxing. It was but relaxing. so so yeah, I don't want to say I don't want to shit on. I have learned a lo- after Fallout Four, I'm like this series, it, the, these games are not for me. I do not enjoy what they offer, which I think is somehow immersion in like old timey tabletop RPG immersion because. All the shit they add, like, I can never get over the jank. I was on Fallout New Vegas day one. Five corrupted saves later, enemies falling through, like, friends falling through the world. Like, I'm like, this is the... It was one of the most broken games I've ever played at launch in my life. I will actually disagree with you on one thing. I don't think they do offer immersion because of exactly what you're describing. Like, the jank has been too prominent to truly let yourself be immersed in this world. The jank is is too fucking prominent, and I play plenty of other games with encumbrance systems. But what those games don't do is leave 200,000 interactive ice cube trays lying around (laughs) and, 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 and make me scan for minerals that I can't do anything with but sell for nothing. I mean, and you can use them in crafting, but you probably I, I, yeah, eventually I, mean, I can yeah, do that. I, I, I get it, but like, I don't know what that is, and you're telling me I just shot this thing and you threw it in my inventory. This is yeah. as a not Bethesda fan. Hey, this is not fucking cute. I don't like this at all. This is a terrible, terrible game design feature, and, and combined with its encumbrance. And then I think uh, the the, Matt, the biggest complaint you Jesus. get you, that I, I think is semi unforgivable. The perk system, like, ah, let me just carry some more stuff. You have to complete other missions in between your stats. Like, get fucked, man. Uh, <laughs> which which is novel, and I think the reason they do it is like, well, it's more realistic. If you if you actually carried heavy weights for 5,000 yards, you might be stronger. And it's like, but it wouldn't just unlock like that. It would take years. And it, you, don't earn, you don't earn stat points fast enough for that yeah. to happen. Yeah. Like, that... I don't know what the fucking deal is. And then, yes, my major thing with the jank and the encumbrance, I had a perk that was bugged. The one I chose at default. The more oxygen. And I'm trying to reduce my encumbrance, but I've already thrown at it. I just need to get to a place to sell. But I can't... Fu- <laughs> it's it's not even like you're slowed down. You will die if you try and walk beyond like the slowest yeah. speed. I, I have that die. perk where if you're with a companion, you have uh, better oxygen. You know, it's the... Mm-hmm. the um, I chose uh, introvert. The extrovert I chose perk. introvert. And even with all that shit, I'm constantly fighting. It's a stamina system. And the problem with it is it wouldn't be an issue if the maps weren't so huge and wide open. Of course I'm going to sprint everywhere because there's nothing on your empty-ass map and I'm just trying to get from point A to point B. So and, uh, Actually, I, I don't know if my perk was bugged. It was the uh, not the weightlifting, but the fitness with uh, extra O2. Yeah, fitness is the O2 one. Yep, but yep, I yep, chose as my starting stat the thing where like, ah, you get more stuff in space. So I cannot level up that skill on the ground. It's like, uh, oh, if you go into your spaceship and to fly into space, you can spend 40 minutes running, sprinting into a corner for the ability to hopefully get a stat point at some point and then unlock the new ability. Um, And like, it's, it's shit like that. Like, how did, how does this go? How does this go by? How is this? Again, not trying to shit on a game you like. And like, how is the series so revered? Like, I, I just said, I'm enjoying the environment. I'm enjoying talking to characters. I can't walk! 
<laughs> I, can't, I can't walk. I can't do anything. Well, I, uh, like, I like that you can use your companions as backpacks, basically. That like, which is that's been around since Fallout Three, I think, or maybe it was Four. Mm-hmm. That where you started doing that. Well, yeah, they're you they're basically just, mules. They yeah, you just you. just load them down with shit until they reach like, their limit. Like most of my mm-hmm. real world companions, I filled them all up because yeah. I don't know what <laughs> I need to hold on to and what I don't mm-hmm. because I never had a clear thing of Bethesda. Like, why is this collectible if it's if it doesn't serve a purpose? And like, none of it serves a purpose. Is, am I correct here? Like eighty nine percent of most it do- most doesn't. There is stuff that you use in crafting. Yeah. If it and falls base into the building. miscellaneous category, it's probably just vendor junk. Yeah. It's well, just kind of there for texture and color and to like, hey, this random thing sitting on a shelf if is is a physics object. I can pick it up and throw it. Wh- That's why have neat. I found more board games than med packs? And, and but even <laughs> if you, even if you're just collecting like guns from fallen enemies and and that those get very heavy very quickly and those are probably the only thing worth grabbing because can, can you can you not create a thing like I have this gun already don't pick up the gun don't pick up the gun no you can't you can't set no you, like why you why why would multiples. you collect multiple versions of the exact same to sell same to sell the extras because yeah. that's the that's the quickest way to get money in the game I and, and even even then and I sent you guys a clip of it. I remember playing Fallout 4, like, I just, I feel there's a lot of tradition in this series that I don't respect or appreciate, because mm-hmm. I'm having trouble with the VAT system and there's not a significant tutorial. I showed you guys the shooting. This is my best gun. I fired four clips straight into this guy's chest at point-blank range. He did not lose half of his health. This is an early mission. Uh... The guns don't work like guns. None of them do. And ammunition is so fucking scarce. I got seven med packs at the beginning and had to use them all in my first firefight and have never been able to recover in really? terms of getting more medical, finding more medical stuff to replace that are, abundance. Are, are you looking at the things on the walls everywhere yeah. that have the, the, the crosses on them? Thing. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Some of them don't contain med packs. Yeah, that's and, true. But a lot of them. I mean, the do. only thing I buy from vendors at this point are med packs and lockpicks. Yeah, I bought I bought like some I, med packs and figured out the problem. But like you. How do you explain me shooting point blank into a guy that is not over my level? Dice your rolls, your gun sucks. That's how I explain it. That is it. the best gun I have. It wasn't until I got the shotgun that I could do any damage. I, I could fire from any range and guns do nothing. Nothing. Hmm. And I, I didn't find a good explanation for it. it, it th- that clip, you saw it, didn't you? Like, point blank at that guy's head and chest, 150 rounds. Yeah. It didn't take off he- half of his body armor. <laughs> it shouldn't it shouldn't be like XCOM is what you're saying yeah. like when you when you when your sights are over the dude you should land that shot but i mean you know talking about there being guns everywhere like you will continually find better guns sure and and you will like continually find ammo so like i didn't run out of ammo for like the first 20 hours because it's like oh if i'm out of ammo for this gun switch to one of the other 12 guns in my inventory that i have i did not have that same (laughs) that same luxury you just just diligently loot ammo from every enemy you find because it takes up no mass I, i did that but i had to learn that if i'm shooting from a range of 10 feet or more None of these hits register on enemies mm. for some reason, except for the sidearm. And once you were like, wait till you get a shotgun. The shotgun like changed the world because mm. like I was so used to running directly up to enemies because I had to melee them because I could not kill them with a full clip. And <laughs> yeah, I have a pretty good shotgun. I like. I think what you're hearing from us is when the reviews hit for this game, they were all over the place. Like IGN mm-hmm. and GameSpot were both like sevens ish, maybe seven and a half. The other people were like eights and nines and tens. 
and I am very squarely more in that IGN game spot yeah, world I, I think, where I'm just like, eh, it's it's fine, but it's it's not even a good one of those Bethesda games. It, in my it, I understand it more now because it's like, well, there are parts of this game that are amazing. And yeah, there are parts agreed. of it that are very, very tedious. When you are scoring the game, you can't just say, well, you can ignore those tedious parts, so I'm yeah. going to ignore them. You have to yeah. take all that stuff into account. Um, yep. But I'll say, if as a player, you absolutely can ignore them. Like, that's that's one thing that, you know, the, the yeah. uh, you can leave meme applies because, like, Unless it's like tied to a, a direct quest line progression, you do not have to do any of the shit in this game. If you don't want to work for the garbage company, you don't have to. Uh, if you don't want to survey a planet, there's no reason to do that. I don't want to be... That's just my complaints about the game. And they are big complaints and they sometimes hamper what I'm trying to do. But it's the first Bethesda game where a majority of my time has been pleasant and I feel wowed. But there's all these... I think I think things... Bethesda fans think our legacy that I would have, if I was the new boss, I would get rid of immediately. Like, throw that away. No more of this ever. I think the problem with the you can leave meme is, so you're talking to a guy who who views player segmentations for a living, right? There is a mm-hmm. big segment of gamers, and I am one of these, we're completionists, where when we play a game, we like to sample and do everything that game has to offer. It is against my nature. I yeah. never just mainline a game. Haven't done that in years. I, even the ones I try, I'm like, I'm just going to mainline this thing. I always yeah. get distracted with side shit. And so when people are like, well, you can leave, just don't do the side shit. It's like, I can't. That's not my personality. I'm mainlining it, which I never mainline Bethesda games. I'm mm-hmm. mainlining this and I'm having a lot more fun with the mainline yeah. than I am with the, the other I, stuff. I've, outside of like finally getting the shotgun, it feels like... An- really makes me miss Mass Effect because that was like a competent shooter underneath all this other exploration and uh, character building. And yeah. this isn't. But they never... I didn't think Fallout ever was either. Like, uh, I, it was a lot to be desired if you wanted to play this like a shooter. Maybe you're not supposed to. Maybe I'm not... This is I'm not the audience for this, but i sorry. I just meant to say I spent majority of my time in Starfield, maybe a dozen or hours or so. I have enjoyed the majority of it. And it's the little stuff that like... Why the fuck is this here? Why would you slow the <laughs> gameplay down with these old traditions? I hate this. It's as as always with Bethesda games. It's it really is how much you're willing to tolerate a lot of bullshit. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, that's just always been the case with their games. Like, sorry, I, even if Skyrim's your favorite game ever, I'm sorry. There's a lot of bullshit in Skyrim that 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 you either choose to ignore or tolerate or not. And like, I in previous Bethesda games was able to tolerate it more. In this game, I'm just like. There's a lot of good games out there right now. I think I think I either need to wait till a lot of bugs are addressed and stuff and come back later, which is always a good thing to do with games, by the way. Um, or or maybe it's just not for me, and that's okay. You know, I'm not. Too, I, I'm allowed to have my opinion. You guys may all love it, but uh, and, and skimming a review or two in, in Dan's IGN review, like uh, it just seems like the things that pissed me off about the Bethesda formula haven't changed that much, and it also didn't innovate much. It's just as it's just Bethesda, Space Bethesda, that, essentially. That's the biggest disappointment to me. But again, that's more on me. That I, I might have just had unrealistic expectations. But I, I feel like I'm not making that up. Like no, they no, did no, position no, I, this thing. Like, hey, this is gonna, this isn't gonna be like our other. We, games. we had a light conversation off mic talking about GTA Five and that GTA Six was sort of awkwardly announced, and it's been a year since they've Rockstar said anything. But what exactly? I'm not smart enough to think of what I want innovated in a GTA game because I kind of expect them to be traditional and, and 
keep legacy stuff. I don't know what big thing I want to that would improve G, the GTA experience. I don't know the Bethesda fans know, know that about the series either, but it's like it's not here. This this isn't a, a total formula change. This isn't going to change every game moving forward. It feels just like the games from 10 years ago. And yeah. I can understand people being totally fine with that. So again, I'm not trying to shit on... I am liking Starfield more than I thought and more than I've liked any other Bethesda game. Good music, good atmosphere. Even when it's dull, I find some of it captivating. But it the encumbrance shit and bug shit, jank shit, unexplained shit, not cute. Not cute. I say that about Souls games too. And guess what? Souls games, you can have shit in your inventory as long as it's not equipped. It's not encumbrance. You can take it off. And I, I'm, I'm yeah. walking. I'm walking to a vendor to sell the stuff that is killing me, <laughs> literally killing me. I, I am seriously thinking of like, do I want to look into if there's a remove encumbrance mod because I feel like that would improve the game a huge yeah. amount. It, it would. I fully it would, leveled that by the way. The weightlifting. It doesn't help that much. No, you, mm-hmm. you you get to like maximum. I think 200 kilograms that you can carry. Yeah. I, and I have to Google where I can put. I, I'm guessing my ship has cargo holds. They keep yeah. mentioning them, and it, you, it, it does. you can add. I, have, I haven't found them. The, you, I, you I don't, don't know where they are. You, you can do it from your inventory. Yeah, screen there's there's a there's it. a screen in the cockpit where you can see your ship's uh, inventory, and then you can just dump stuff in there. That's yeah. it's that's awesome to find out from my friends, and not the <laughs> game. Twenty hours of the game. There's a little I, bit of that too. The game. I knew I you know, and that's that happens sometimes. But I'm allowed to be frustrated by it. God damn it. Yeah. Sure. Let's let's move on. Yeah. We got a lot of So the Crew Motorfest actually knew this week. Motorfest. Um, again, full disclosure, I work for Ubisoft. Uh, I got these guys codes. Uh, we have been playing We'd have it. bought it anyway. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. It's uh, very fun. I, I have not been a huge crew fan in the past. I love the Crew Motorfest. It's it's a lot of fun. It has a ton of personality. It's set on the Hawaiian island of Oahu. The first two crew games were like the entire USA is your playground. And now they're kind of uh it, it's it's one state and or one island in one state, and they're kind of narrowing the focus and putting more detail into the world. And uh it revolves around this idea of like there's a festival that's dedicated to car culture, and so we have these playlists which are these uh, themed Lovely. campaigns. Here's one that's devoted to uh, Japanese street racing and drifting. Here's one that's devoted to this YouTube channel called Donut Media, which I, I was not aware now, of. Which yeah. is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like a Andy from Parks and Rec, but, if he got his yeah. own YouTube channel. And, and that one is fun because it's like, you know, they... Like, let's pit two cars against each other. You pick which car you're going to drive. And then it doesn't really matter if you win or lose. You'll still get to advance. Um, most of the yeah. other things aren't like that. You have to win. I, I I didn't, I wasn't in love with like the one island, the one area setting of, of Fort that Forza has taken sometimes just because mm-hmm. like. Every again, game, that's a, that's the whole idea of for the Forza things. It's, they're always these festivals and, and they're at yeah. different locations now. And, it, so. and, and, and Motorfest owes a lot to that, but like it is oh, way more creative and like the Tokyo levels, like they just dress shit up like an idealized version of Tokyo Drift, like neon everywhere. Mm-hmm. They had the, um, they have an American muscle playlist. And they do yeah. their best to th- like. Did you notice they were all? Several of them were Florida-based events. The Tallahassee Fury, my hometown, is na- there's an event named after my hometown, and it's a Mustang on monster truck <laughs> on a monster <laughs> truck rig, and it, nice. it 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 makes a dirt track to make it look not like Hawaii, 
but does a way better job in theming and make everything look different just by being creative. And it also embodies even more than Forza. One of the things I did may not have spoken my love for the nineties arcade racer where there's mm. fucking giant hot air balloons in the sky and fireworks go off just cause I ran a red light. Beautiful shit like that everywhere you go. <laughs> just oh, yeah. I mean, it's feels- very, that's very Forza. And this is a compliment I'm giving the game. Because I love the Forza Horizon series, this is the closest you're going to get to Forza Horizon probably ever. Uh, But here's the thing. If you don't own an Xbox, this is the closest you're going to get to a Forza Horizon and being able to play that. Like, I would say if you've been dying to play Forza Horizon... Buy this game if you're a PlayStation player, because this is is it. That was the point I I was making when I was thinking about the top five idea, because of where racing games are... Two of them are platform specific, and there is one platform agnostic racing game, and that's Need for Speed. And Need for Speed deserves a challenger, and and I'm glad mm-hmm. this exists because like if, if you don't have if you have, or if you're a PlayStation owner and you missed out on Forza Five, Forza Horizon Five, this is a fucking great way. Uh, it's it's really almost there entirely of being like something as big as Forza Five, which is a, one of our games of the year. Two I was ago. surprised to learn this wasn't the Annecy team because it. That was the team that did Riders Republic, and Riders Republic also mm-hmm. had like a festival theme and vibe. And there's mm-hmm. a, there is a little bit of that in here too, which which is also in Forza Horizon, where it's just like, I mean, it's Ubisoft, so every dev works on every game. Like there's there's yeah. a lot of shared. Well, work this, this is studios. Ivory Tower, which did the previous yeah, Tower, crew yeah. games. La di da, making games in your Ivory Tower. <laughs> <laughs> but so there's there's a little bit of that Riders Republic <laughs> attitude and style <laughs> and stuff like that. But it's it feels yeah. like its own thing. I think it makes really good use of the DualSense controller. Like the, the feedback yeah. on that was a lot of fun. Yeah, actually, but one one thing I I enabled the the controller speaker immediately mm. disabled it a minute later. There is there is a lot going on with that controller speaker, and I'm like yeah. I don't know what any of these noises mean. It's too I much. I'm just why. putting it back. On my I've TV never speaker. seen it before. But when you rev your engine, the DualSense lights flash a different color while rumbling, yeah. like oh, sort of huh. like your controller's about to explode. Neat. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that that's a feature you can anyone can do in DualSense that no one takes. No one does. Of I've never seen change it done. the colors. Yeah. But the the way that it's structured is really interesting because there's kind of two ways to approach this game with the playlists. They will usually give you like loner cars for mm-hmm. each event. So you yeah. will have something that's already properly tuned for the event. You don't have to worry about like, oh, did I upgrade my car enough for this? You just here here's a loner car. Go go nuts. But you can also have a garage full of different cars. You can import your entire garage from the crew too, if you were playing that. Mm-hmm. I immediately yep. did that. I have a, a bunch more cars now. Um and uh, then you can you you'll get like perf parts to sort of customize. They're they're basically gear for your car where you can upgrade their performance, and then uh, I think you can. But use not that. like Gran Turismo. It's super easy to understand and quick to do. <laughs> Holy shit! You have to make sure to emphasize it's fun to do this. They're color coded, mm. numeric mm-hmm. coded. It's very easy to understand. It's it's a little bit more like Destiny, honestly. Yeah, with, yeah, with yeah, loot loot based. Speaking and- of color, I wanted to compliment the devs. They there's a lot of accessibility options, which is not uncommon oh. with modern Ubisoft games. But mm-hmm. the some of the stuff they did, like I've I've said on the show before, I'm I'm colorblind, but colorblind Ew! modes suck in video games. They never work. <laughs> um, they have this option that's great. You can increase the contrast in things like the UI, which makes things easier for people like me to see, 
Or mm-hmm. you can increase if you do the racing line. And just like in Forza, you can be like, hey, only show me the braking line. I don't need to see the whole racing line. You can increase the opacity. And that makes it way easier to see as well as the color of that line. So it's like I can now more easily distinguish, oh, this is just telling me to lay off my gas. Oh, this is a full break. Like there, there's a lot of customization. And actually one of... I'm still figuring out the fiddly bits of like how I want to customize this game experience. Like that's how many options there are in here. I'm like, hmm, I wonder do I want uh, this to leave this on and turn this option off? Or like I mentioned, the controller speaker. There's so much shit you can customize in this game, which for me, as someone who's used to playing more, most recently Gran Turismo and then the Forza games, it's like, it's nice because it's like, oh, I'm kind of learning this new racing game. Well, maybe I, w- I want to enable this option to make it more like Forza or more, That's like, more like Gran Turismo. My favorite thing about this game, and this is highly personal, every two or three missions, it's like, you know, you can change the difficulty at any time and you are doing way too good and everyone wants to fuck you. Would you like to bring this up to a higher difficulty? I'm like, no, stop it, yeah, Motorfest. Yeah, stop, stop, <laughs> stop it. Oh, and they oh. added the rewind, which I love. Ah, yeah, the rewind the is rewind. a huge feature. They they give you a lot less rewind. I think that's that was their design choice. Is like Forza, at this point, you can go back almost the entire race. And, and here it's like, eh, maybe it'll buy you five seconds. to ten seconds. Yeah, 15 no, it's seconds. For, it's yeah. 15 seconds. It's generous. Yeah. Yeah. There's but, almost nothing you can't recover from. Hmm. And I haven't seen I haven't seen a drawback in terms of your rewards either. They didn't it hasn't mentioned anything like that. So there's no penalty no, to rewinding. No, no. Okay, well here's here's what it what what you need to know about that. Uh, it will undo mistakes. It will bring back if you're racing against other drivers. If you're trying to hit like the best time, mm-hmm. you're, the time it will not subtract from the time. Ah, so, interesting. I like, see. if you hit a minute and made a mistake, you can rewind it and undo the mistake, but it'll still, you know, it won't Keep be, like, subtracting 15 seconds. Unless the, the, the event demands it, I am almost never yeah. going for time. But, I'm but going for like, first. There there are certain reasons also sometimes, like, uh, there are events where it doesn't matter if you win or lose. Like, again, with uh, the Donut Media thing, yeah. I, I think it's the, the Hawaii Scenic Tour. Like, you're in a race, but it doesn't matter. You don't need to come in first. It, you can come in last and you'll still advance. Yeah. If you yeah. set the difficulty to the highest level, you will get extra rewards. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you win or not. So for those oh. things where where victory is not the condition, I, rec- I highly recommend setting oh, the difficulty high. Oh, and you can just Ooh, turn like it back off hat. when you <laughs> you have yeah. to achieve first place. Neat. Exactly. I like that. Hot strat. Mm-hmm. Hot mm-hmm. strat. Pro tip. But I, I did want to also compliment. I mentioned earlier in the show, I did not like the racing engine in um, the original crew. It it felt a little too floaty to me. It felt a little bit like Watch Dogs drive, like, like open world game driving. They really, you can tell, they put a lot of time and thought into this thing. The cars have weight. They feel heavy, even though I know you're flying off jumps and shit mm-hmm. half the time. Like the, it feels like you're racing this car, um, which not every racing game does, by the way. And that's a huge yeah. thing for me. Like you got to nail the feel. And it it also gives you like an education about the cars that you're driving. Like a lot mm-hmm. of the the events are like here's the the history of the Porsche 911 and we'll like talk tell you about each of these models and what's important yeah. about them uh, it also brings over the fast fave feature as we mentioned earlier from the crew 2 which is that like at any time you can transform into a plane or a boat and uh, and yeah you can set in your garage like when I transform into a car I want to transform into this car and this plane like you can have mm-hmm. multiple ones that you 
have set aside to transform into. And yeah, that's I, that's I, I find myself nice. doing that every every time. Like I know that if I drive to the next uh, the next marker, the next event, I'm going to like run into a bunch of stuff on the road. Like uh, here, go through this this thing and try to hit this uh, this next checkpoint in a certain amount of time, or escape this this growing radius uh, by going really fast. Etc. But if you just want to do the next best thing to fast travel, just turn into a plane and fly there. It's, you know, literally as the crow flies. Yeah. It's, it's, it's real neat. Well, no, mm-hmm. it's the crew, Michael, not the crow. <laughs> as the crew flies. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, highly recommend. I, I, yeah. I like it a lot. And again, if you if you don't own an Xbox and have always wanted to try Forza Horizon, mm-hmm. this is the next best thing. And it's pretty good. The only thing I... Uh, the driving line... Have you noticed that, like, in Forza, it's like, yellow means you better slow down around this turn. Red means you better brake a break. lot. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, is this calibrated the car I was driving in the open world or the one I'm driving this event? Because I just nitrous through your yellow and red. <laughs> wow. I have like, noticed that it's the game is very forgiving and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't necessarily Especially need if you're to playing on follow the driving line all which the time. I'm not, like, uh, oh, okay. Which I'm not. Which I'm not. I'm playing on, on intermediate and... and only twice has the guideline like really bugged the fuck out and just disappears and flies off the side of a mountain. Well, the, so, the like, nitrous boost can also save your ass. It can help you recover where like if you're going around a turn and you start to maybe go out of control, you can kick in that boost to throw yep. a lot of traction onto your back wheels and basically a just recover into a straight line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's pretty it's, neat. It's, it's dope. And again, like you can turn into a, tra- a plane or a boat it, like like GTA Five turning into Trevor Franklin or Michael, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, when you don't have fast travel unlocked, well, just fly at three hundred. Mi- I keep saying miles an hour yeah. is kilometers an hour. Well, you can change that. I changed them. I'm sure you can. It's just like, but that's what I've been reading. I've been reading kilometers, and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm driving this fucking Volkswagen bus <laughs> two hundred <laughs> miles an hour. That's impossible. It would burst into flames. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the Donut Media guy says like. This car can reach speeds of up to 300 kilometers yeah. an hour. I'm sure that's at least 100 miles per hour, right? Yeah, no idea. <laughs> no idea. It's a lot of kilometers, man. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How so, many kilometers do I live on? Oh, uh, one other thing about the Crew Motor Fest. If you are not convinced, it is free this weekend. That's so, nuts. Ooh, yeah. neat. So between uh, Thursday, which is already passed, but like, okay, so this Friday to uh, through Sunday... Uh, I think the it's the 14th through the 17th. I'm, I don't have the calendar in front of me, and I'm bad with dates. Uh, I'm guess yeah, 14th through the 17th. Is that every platform? Every platform. It's it's a free weekend for five hours, so you can just download it, try it, and if you want to buy it after the free period ends, all of your progress will carry over. So it's pretty generous. Yeah, uh, and but and, it's it's all it's but, it's the. I love all these racing games and something about the crew. Had I, I don't know that I'd ever played any of them, really. I remember watching Michael do it in the office before he was ever at Ubisoft. I loved the promise of the first one, driving across the USA. That was neat. Yeah. I loved the second one, added the Transformers bit. So, um, Well, the, the thing is that like each one has a completely different conceit behind it and like mm. they never really talked about the the single player aspect of the first crew that it's basically a driver sequel in all but name that you mm. are like going undercover to investigate a ring of car thieves and uh and you know it, it operates all across the country so the campaign moves around uh the crew two 
was all bright and festive, and it's just like the entire country is uh, dedicated to the celebration of motorsports. Go join a motorsport family, and you'll they'll set you up with different events that you can get through. And then this one is the festival route with the playlists, and uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot yeah, of fun. I can't what? wait for the crew for Terry Crews. Oh come now! <laughs> Don't just call it Expendables. That's what the four is. <laughs> uh, I, one last thing. Where's my camera? Ubisoft, Michael, uh, you really want to stick it to EA and their Need for Speed series being the the biggest second or third party racing game in town? Burnout DLC, fucking do it. Even if you don't burnout DLC, give it to me. Stick it to EA by licensing their fucking franchise. Stick it to them. That'll show them Mm -hmm. when you give them money to use the burnout name. Yeah, yeah, and then make it a mutant league. Motor Fest. Sure. I'm, yeah. Um, so Who yeah, a bunch of other, Farm? bunch of other Who stuff came out. To... Yeah, Fay Farm. I I played a little bit of it. I think you played a lot more, Matt. I played a lot more. I got us codes um, through friends. Um, I love me st- some Stardew Valley. I love me these these farming games, and it's one of those obviously not pixel art style like Stardew. Very very pretty game. Um, my only complaint is. The character models, eh, I wish there was a few more options, especially as you're building your, your own character. Um, but it's it's a very pretty one of those. It's I don't know why these farming games have this, the daily energy mechanic that you have to overcome. Like, you can only mm. plant so many crops a day or so, do whatever. But uh, And it certainly doesn't let me meet Disney characters like fucking uh, Dreamlight Valley does. But um, Stop. I, I like these games. I don't know why. It's it's the cozy games, as they call them. Just like the... I think what it is for me is it's it's just like the, the dopamine hit of accomplishing measurable micro tasks, which, you know, for a lot of people that work in office jobs and stuff like that, sometimes it's very tough to measure. What did I actually get done? You know, stuff is just moving and progressing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I like games like this where it's very clear, like, I did that, I built that, I created yeah. that crop, or it's, whatever. It's and, so uh, nice to play a game that makes backbreaking labor look easy and fun. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. <laughs> but yeah, yeah think, know, thinking right? about that, it's just like, uh, my character has no expertise, even if I have a blueprint. Like, am I going to really build a decent barn by myself in the first try? That's know. the magic part. And there is some magic well, there, there elements is, Yeah, there this. is magic. Like, I saw some, like, tentacle plants or something. But uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, yeah, which, by the way, is in Disney Dreamlight Valley, too. Um, mm. Yeah, there's there's some magic to this. There's, there's a dungeon-crawling element to this game. It's just like the Harvest Moon and Stardew Valley. If you liked those <laughs> games... Chances are you'll like Fae Farm. My understanding is I, we, we got it on Switch. We got codes. It actually, I think, costs a little less on PC. So maybe if you have a PC that can run this game and don't want to pay extra, or if you want to take it on the go, I guess uh, either have a Steam Deck or buy it on the Switch. Um, and I, I heard it's it gets really true to life, and it eventually the government subsidies dry up and you're forced to grow just corn. <laughs> Well, I, I love that part about the original Stardew Valley of like there's that mega corp that can buy out mm-hmm. the grocery store yeah, and Joja Corp. Yeah, Joja Corp, or or you can keep it wow. in the country store. A humiliating stab at Kroger's, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> it's none of us have access to. 
Oh, maybe. Michael, did you play Myth Force? I did play some Myth Force. Um, Which is, is this coming out of early access? Because Myth Force has been around. Has or maybe it? is it just coming to new platforms? Yeah, it's this I is the know. Saturday well, morning cartoon looking yeah. Yeah. Uh, roguelike, yeah? Yeah, it is It is very clearly meant to evoke like 1980s Saturday morning cartoon. It it kind of, to me, looks a little bit more like uh, Joel Haver or Joel Haver, those YouTube shorts that are like rotoscoped, yes. but like mm-hmm. meant to you know evoke the the look of like artifacted vhs tapes or something but this, this might have been an epic exclusive until now I think uh, that's okay. what it was. um well yeah it it is fun it's basically a roguelite first person dungeon crawling action game uh i played it a little bit just as the night and uh just bashed the fuck out of some skeletons that kept respawning over and over again Eventually, I cleared out enough that I could move to the end of the level and uh, a bunch of loot along the way. Um, Your heroes, you have like four different heroes to choose from. They each have unique abilities. The knight has a shield that she can throw like Captain America that will bounce around between enemies and come back. She's got a mace that she can bash things with. Um, And and yeah, the idea is that you're going to play multiplayer. The fun is going to come from working together and using complementary skills. Uh, it mm. is it is very clearly multiplayer focused. You can play solo, but I, I imagine that's not as fun. So it's just gauntlet. It's just Kinda, 3D yeah, gauntlet. Yeah, gauntlet. Ga- that's an excellent way to put it. Actually, yes. Now, and now I'm sold. What, Matt does yeah, work in what, marketing. That's what a he? lot of these co-op dungeon crawlers are. Is like, oh, this is just 3D gauntlet. But mm-hmm. what I've heard about this game is the gameplay maybe doesn't live up to the visuals. The visuals are, are breathtaking and really do look like a Saturday morning cartoon come to life. And it's like, the gameplay's like, yeah, it's fine, but it, the, like the visuals are where it's at with this game. Yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis. Played a little bit of this. Did anyone else get a chance at it? I didn't. Oh, no. I didn't. What did so, you think? It is, well, it's, a, it's, it's Final Fantasy VII, and it's weird because, like, it starts out... All the characters look like they do in uh, the remake series, uh, you know, and and like you know, it starts you out with a a battle, and it's all like active time where like you will automatically attack every few seconds or something, and you're waiting for a meter to fill so you can like, okay, now I'm gonna unleash a lightning attack or a fire attack or whatever, and then like you know, it's just Cloud fighting Sephiroth, and then Zack jumps in like, hey. D- Wait for me, and I'll, I'll fight you. I'm Zach. That didn't happen. Wait a minute. That didn't <laughs> yeah. happen in the original. No, no, it didn't. So I, I guess this this mixes up elements from uh, the other Final Fantasy Crisis VII Core, yeah, etc. Yeah, it, it's like another remake that is not in the same storyline as the new remakes. It's, right. Uh, I mean, it, what I, what little I've played, Hughes, uh, like it's it's sort of in between, Cause, and it's mm. weird because again, you get like cutscenes and fights with these. Final Fantasy VII remake looking characters and then it transitions to the RPG walking around and now your little chibi versions that look like uprezzed versions of the Final Fantasy the original Final Fantasy VII polygons. Okay, and, I would hope so. And so it's I mean but, anything would be an upres it, version of it's those originals. It's just jarring to be like you thought you were playing Final Fantasy VII remake and now you're running around mm-hmm. these little little chibi RPG characters. And hmm. uh, and then yeah, run around, get into fights, and then 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 you look all cool again. Um, but you know, I I have not played enough. I'm I'm still in like the Shinra train station. I haven't gotten very far into it, obviously. Uh, but it seems promising so far. And if you wanted a more straightforward remake, 
of Final Fantasy VII rather than what we got, uh, this might be what you've been waiting for. How are they mm. making money on this thing? Isn't it? Is it free? It has. Is it it is free. It ha- it says in app purchases. I have not run into those yet, but we'll see. Um, and well, I there's your prop. I have not read yeah, reviews. I've, I've so much is <laughs> too much has happened for me to trust a Square mobile game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eternites also came out a solo developer game that I, I believe oh. is sort of like a combination action game slash dating sim. Uh, where you are, it's like a post-apocalypse and people are turning into zombies and you get your arm chopped off, but you have to date it. Yeah. You have to date your arm. Your arm is is your wife. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You're doing it right. Uh Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Or, or or if you're living my life. (laughs) Oh, Bionic Commando. Why is that the hardest I made Michael left? (laughs) (laughs) You are pathetic. Bionic Commando was a metaphor for masturbation the entire time. The arm is his wife. Uh, good Lord. Uh, Oh no. So Eternites, uh, Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun little hack and slasher. Uh, you you have some some pact with a, a mysterious deity that like regrows your arm as like this pure energy thing that can turn into a sword. So you get to fight the zombies. You you're hanging out with your horny best friend and uh, an idol singer who <laughs> has like also had something similar, but she didn't lose her arm, but she has healing abilities because girl. Obviously, (laughs) you're a girl in a JRPG. You either have healing powers or you're a martial artist. Final Fantasy wrote the rules on that. Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. Mm. But um, yeah, I have not not gotten very far into that. But what I have played is fun. Uh, And Squirrel Stapler, I added to this list because this is a game by David Zemansky, who did Iron Lung. And he does like... A bunch of he he does like small weird creepy games that are kind of silly on some level. Squirrel Stapler is a game about being a hunter in a cabin, and you have to go out and hunt squirrels. And the reason that you are hunting squirrels is so that you can take them back to the cabin and staple them to a bloody torso that you have hanging in your bedroom. <laughs> That will occasionally leave you notes about how, like, I don't want squirrels. I want my skin back. Give it to me or give me yours. Uh, it's it's weird and eerie, and the woods become more dangerous with each passing day. And the idea is that eventually God will arrive. I don't know what that means. I don't know if you have to shoot God. I don't know if God is going to kill you. Uh, it's It's a strange game, and it's like seven bucks on Steam. So... Check it out if that sounds interesting to you. Check it out. And it's name like an I think you should leave sketch. So yeah, there's that. I've got that going for yeah, it. there you go. Uh, moving on, let's jump ahead to. So before we dive into the uh, the big uh, first party uh, shows, the Nintendo Direct and, and State of Play, there's kind of one news story that's been dominating the headlines uh, this yeah. week, earlier this week. Unity! Um, Unity announced some changes to hmm. uh, the way that developers have to pay for their engine, and it is... 
created this huge upheaval amongst the mostly indie community, um, but although there are non-indies who who use uh, the yeah. Unity engine, uh, Hoyoverse well. uses Unity. Um, the there the Genshin go. Impact, Honkai Genshin Star Genshin Impact. Games. I was yeah. going to throw that at Matt. Uh, yeah, your precious Genshin Impact will be impacted. <laughs> I'm a Star Wheel guy now. Come on, we all know I ride that Honkai uh, Star Wheel. One of our games of the year, Cult of the Lamb. I think semi-jokingly said we'll pull our game off the fucking store Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so so here's what the policy changes and i'm probably going to have the numbers wrong and 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 i have articles pulled up but there's so many numbers it gets confusing but here's the gist of it is that if you are a game so unity has and always has had um, a few different plans you can go on if you're a dev there's sort of like a free version and as part of that free version you you always had to like show their lo- branding and, and do other mm-hmm. stuff and, and maybe have, uh, you know, there's ads that the way unity makes a lot of its money is through like ads inside games and stuff like that. But it, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't just competitive. It was inviting. Like there was no mm-hmm. reason not to use entity mm-hmm. or unity. And and so then there was like a, there was like a pro tier, which, which you had to pay for, but then got you more benefits. And then there's like this enterprise tier, which is really meant for bigger developers or businesses where it's like, you pay up front, um, and it's it's a few grand, is what I've heard. Uh, I saw some developers posting about this, and then you get these other benefits, and they also have discounts. Like if you use other Unity services, like let's say your ad, you know, ad, yeah. ad tech in your game or whatever, they they bundle discounts, and it's oh, it's cheaper to use Unity. It's, You're going to get more benefit. Kind of dramatic because it, it it drops stuff that is like twenty cents per well. For the runtime, oh, the twenty cents is to, down to so, one so to two cents. So here's where the big controversy comes in: is yeah. for folks on that lowest tier, which you would assume these are probably the studios that have the least amount of money because they're not paying for those the higher tiers of Unity. Um, they're going to institute a policy where for every first download, they clarified later for every download of a game, and it's the first on a specific device. Mm-hmm. That well, developer, can, I, can I just say, Matt, when you say clarify? If that was their intention, they would have set it up front. They're backpedaling. They were very much going to charge you for every install. Every install. Yeah. So, so they're, yeah, they're basically charging folks 20 cents for every install, um, which is a lot. Especially a lot of games, a lot of free-to-play games, they don't make 20 cents per user, you know? And yeah. so... I, I just actually read a thread on LinkedIn. It's like a friend of a friend who's a dev. He broke down some math, and he's like, the people that this will suck for are people that have a ton of users and installs, but really, really low monetization per user. Mm -hmm. This is going to fuck those people unless they're willing to fork over those few grand. And then he he, basically his, his big takeaway was if you're a developer, you really have to monitor your numbers because there's thresholds. It's like in order to do this payout, your game has to make more than there's like a threshold of downloads, but then it has to make more than $200,000 a year. And then you end up paying this thing. And so he's like, so you got to watch your math. If you're above two hundred thousand or to this amount, you should keep the free tier. But then once you hit this threshold, you you're making enough money where you should just pay for that premium subscription. And then it'll be because if you are the premium member, it's only like a penny per install, right? So basically, what this is, this is Unity just driving all the devs toward that that enterprise subscription. Like, give us a few grand. Like, you know, almost no one should be on this free tier. That's the kind of interpretation. It's money up front that a lot of indies don't have. Like, exactly. You, you know, if I just asked you, hey, give me five grand, do you just have five grand lying around? Like, it's, It, it was like we talked about that Xbox Live to Game Plus non-ultimate. Like, people are aware of Game Pass. If they could afford to do that, they probably would. 
getting rid of one thing and bumping people up to another, which they'll be automatically, if you haven't unchecked the box, you'll be automatically bumped up to this new sub. Um, and that one of one of the other reasons a lot of devs were really freaking out is apparently this can change mid. So when when you go to greenlight a game and do we you know how much money is this game going to make? Do we will we have enough money to finish it and stuff like that? You kind of make all those assumptions based on the current business models. So there is a point. There's going to be a lot of devs who are kind of mid development who are on Unity Engine. It's like, wow, this is going to completely change the financials of our game. Should we even finish this game on Unity? Is it actually going to be cheaper for us to switch to a different engine altogether? But the other one is is for people with games that are already out. Apparently these terms, they're not retroactive, but they can just change the term mid-cycle. So it's like, if you have a game like Vampire Survivors, which I believe is built on Unity, it's like in a very successful game. And now you have to pay this twenty cents per download or whatever. That game's only like a dollar, remember, or five dollars, yep. something like that. Hmm. It's like that is a huge chunk of the cost of that game. It it and to like change midstream for a developer yeah. who's kind of relying on this this revenue to be a certain way is like that's a huge deal to developers, and this is why it's causing such big waves. And it it is just coming across as like wow either unity didn't like field this with developers like didn't do any research like well how how are people going to respond to this or maybe they did and just didn't give a well right because to me i read it like this seems desperate like is unity hurting somehow are they not growing as much because you know capitalism dictates it's not enough to have a sustainable Mm -hmm. successful company you have to eat other companies too i've heard Mm -hmm. a lot of people blame this on john riccatello the former ea ceo the the guy who sold his stock a week before this announcement so they Hmm. knew this was going to be received poorly so that's it's it's interesting because if you look at the share price like around the time this announcement went out it spiked And when the they started backpedaling, it plummeted. Mm-hmm. Uh, it tells you something uh, about the investor class. Yeah, pretty awful. Uh, I, don't, awful. I don't know that it was the backpedal that caused the plummet. I wonder if it was. I think it was the dev the, response. The spike was from the initial announcement, and then with all of the backlash, that's when it plummeted. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't have a ton of. This is what I, I love. Like, uh, I rarely ever brag about the show, but when you listen to the show. We know more than 90% of the other game podcasts out there because Matt, Michael, and I have a combined 50 years working in the games industry, both covering and behind the scenes. I was not familiar with any of this. And I remember Unity was treated as like this fucking miracle for a really Mm -hmm. long time. What it reminded me of when I started Laser Time and like, yeah, I'm going to do a YouTube channel. The monetization looks like it works out, blah, 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 blah. And in addition to, you know, it being hard and not meeting certain view goals, all of a sudden YouTube was just like, ah, the monetization is different now. You're all getting a third of what you used to. Yeah. We're not going to explain why. And it's just like, well, fuck this model. Fuck this model in the face. Like, I'll, ne- I'll never trust a company. Like- but this is tech. Tech, like Netflix, like Uber. What the fuck? This is so convenient. The price is too good to be true. We're going to raise it $2 a year. Mm-hmm. For 20 years. <laughs> and, and, uh, that's how this Unity ha- was a, seen as a miracle for game makers. Yeah, because Almost it, too it good basically, to be true. 
the ease of porting from system to system, when you Mm -hmm. have an an engine that works across multiple systems, it's so much easier to create ports of a game. You know, there's there's a lot of benefits to to that, to having a tool set that is like, okay, yeah, we can have a dev team learn this tool set and build multiple games, you know, moving forward. They don't need to relearn a new engine every time. You You make a freemium game, they sell a an ad service so like you're not like high and dry and like having to hire all these new people unity is handling some of that for you i just don't know where the fuck this this seems like a huge desperation move and then what i really didn't know is like how much access a game engine has to your privacy once it's on your platform i think i just thought of it like you know if I make a Photoshop image, you can't charge me every time that image gets downloaded that I use your shit with. That's sort of what this looks like here. It's, <laughs> like it's a, yet another reminder to both the, to the end user. When you quote unquote buy a digital game, you never actually own that game. You are just licensing that game and all oh, the tech within that game. The, and the ramifications to licensing agreements of and, game preservation just got way, way murkier. And, and, one of the things I, I was trying to talk, Matt knows more about this than me, so I shouldn't be talking over him, but it was just, <laughs> I, I've worked on dev teams who submit updates and bug reports. I didn't realize how much of that has to go through, how involved Unity probably is with that process. And I don't know, I don't think anybody thought of like the Unreal Engine or the Dice Engine, like they know all this shit about my, my stuff. They have access to my device, my IP. Do they? And even the devs were like, we didn't add an e- e- L- EULA agreement, which is what giving this data. How do they know what gets downloaded where? Because if yeah. we knew you were doing that, we would have had to sign a different piece of certification on our mm-hmm. on the platforms we put this on. We mm-hmm. didn't. I had, I didn't know they were doing that. I had no idea they were even capable of doing that. Yeah, I, I have seen people saying like, you know, well, how is are they going to differentiate between? pirated copies and legitimate installs and they're, they're saying maybe they can do that how like you how? can't do that without drm like yeah, if you're how? just mm-hmm. distributing a game for free download like unless there's something at the engine level that can say like yes this was purchased or yes this was pirated like there's no way but how do you do that without a drm internet connection level why should a dev have to pay if I get a new iPhone? Why should they have to pay for me to have that game twice to Unity where it's like I'm the same user? Like, I get why they're doing it. It's because the only thing they really can track is that unique device ID because of a lot of data laws that have been put in by governments. So thank mm. you to the European governments, by the way, because everyone else follows suit <laughs> oh, there. Lord knows America's mm. not going to do shit about people making money hand over fist. So, like, but but it's it does seem a little unfair that devs have to pay that out where it's just like, hey, we... We can probably tell you if it's the same user or not. It's like, ah, we're just going to go on the device ID, so you're going to pay us for every download on every different device. And it's like, that no, no, doesn't no. seem fair or I, right. I didn't yeah. realize what access the uh, 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 engine like Unity still had to all of your yeah. systems. A lot of these systems you don't even associate with being part of the internet. They, there's plenty I, of Unity games on, on GOG. So every time I click an executable on my computer, how the fuck are you supposed to... You know that I've installed a game? This is an internet-connected game. There's no agreement I've signed for this to be an internet-connected game. Isn't, um, aren't those Square games like the, uh, isn't like uh, Octopath Traveler built on Unity? Or maybe, maybe get that wrong. Uh, no, it might. It, dude, it is, it is widely used, prominently throughout the industry, especially in the mobile and PC market. 
I saw someone make a point I hadn't even considered. And, and one of the reasons it's also a huge deal uh, to devs, it's a flat rate. It, and it, yeah. it obviously it scales. It goes lower if you buy that higher tier. But it's not just a percentage like, oh, give us a percentage of yeah. what your, your game would cost. And so if you if you charge a dollar for your game, 20 cents is a fifth of your revenue. Or, oh, it's also or based if, on gross, not net. If you're a PC, so, if you're a PC game maker who makes most of your monies on sales, yeah. like deep, deep Steam sales, yeah. or yeah, temporary. it doesn't take into account how they, how much they paid for that game. And they didn't yeah. even mention like, are you on Apple Arcade? Are you on Game Pass? Every time yeah. anybody can access your game for free and download it on any device. They, well, they did, like you said, after backpedaling. And this is where I go. Wait a minute. Where they were like, well, no, 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 we're going to pass that cost onto like the Apples and the Microsoft, all the subscription providers. It yeah, will be whoever's luck providing them. Like, pay. <laughs> and I'm like, did you did you check with Microsoft on that? Because I'm sure Phil might have a few things to say about that. They'll, like, they'll negotiate, the but it's something I, I brought up just because I was curious about it with the Fortnite Apple lawsuit. Like thirty percent. That's how much we take. But then, like from Fortnite's perspective, everything in perpetuity. You're not offering 30% worth of support or exposure years into a game's development, like, why should you continue to... So, these Unity and Unreal contracts were typically like, hey, if we make you a millionaire, throw us some money. This is different. This is weird and, and, and cruel and seems to punish developers who have spent almost a decade relying on Unity entirely, and I compared it to YouTube. Yeah, we'll go somewhere else. There's, there is nowhere else at the, that with the facilities of Unity. There's no, there's nobody else. Go somewhere else other than YouTube. Where do I go? Rumble, Daily Motion. <laughs> what, like, what? I mean, the the other alternative to Unity is Unreal, and mm-hmm. Unreal is my understanding is it's much, much different uh, beast. Basically, yeah. it's a it's it's a lot to learn. You can't just say, ah, oh, you, you know, Unity. You can go easily use Unreal. It's it's not like that. it, it does. Unity or Unreal doesn't. Small teams are going to have a tough time making something in Unreal on, on a regular basis. Uh, this is just mm-hmm. catastrophic. The indie game boom we've all enjoyed. And it, and, and, and the way they messaged this was horrible. It, Cult of the Lamb made me think, uh, I just saw the other day, I'm walking in Target, and like, there's Cult of the Lamb uh, for Switch in, on, a, on the shelf. I didn't know this was physical. This is still the Unity engine. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't install this. What the fuck do you think you're owed? After the fact, when the Switch game goes on into pre, uh, pre used game sales and GameStop, you get paid every fucking time. That's a lofty goal, and it's within their right to change their policy. But like the perpetuity and retroactive aspect is so that that's evil. Thing is, yeah, if you want to change the policy for every game moving going forward, forward. and yeah. what what I read up, what I read was that for Unreal. Their deals that the deal terms apply when you sign the deal with them for that game. So it's whatever the term yeah. was at the time you signed the contract. That's how it will stay. Yeah. Versus this is like can change that deal well, mid deal. I, I think specifically what changes is that the uh, they retroactively count the threshold. So if like if your game oh. hit this threshold before the the January, I think it's January first, twenty twenty four, that they'll start doing this date. They will count yeah. that. Uh, and they will charge any future uh, the, the fee to any future uh, installations. They won't retroactively charge fees on all your installations. No, no, yeah, they're not going to retroactively charge you those fees. But it's it's they will they will retroactively say, oh, you made two hundred thousand that year, and that's what's weird yeah. is they they set the threshold so they knew like, hey, we don't want this perception. We're hurting the little guy. 
And I believe the threshold is if you have the lowest tier of Unity subscription, it's $200,000. But if you pay that extra couple couple grand, it's a million dollars in revenue, right? So I think mm-hmm. that what they were thinking is, oh, well, people will view that and be like, well, that's a million dollars. That's a pretty successful company. Of course they should pay something where it's just like, yeah, that's not how this works. People aren't people aren't going to do this math. <laughs> like you're going to have to you're going to have to message that for them. Do that math and message it in which they did not. And this is why they're dealing with the backlash. And I think I almost suspect by the time you're listening to this, dear listeners, maybe they this will, will be irrelevant. Reverse this policy yeah. change. This will be irrelevant it, because. But, but I, I've also seen people saying like, even if they walk the whole thing back right now, the damage is already done. Oh, like yeah. we can't people trust know, them like anymore. oh you can do this to us yeah. like oh yeah. man one one of the developers made in unity a 3d model of six characters dancing and holding the casket of unity <laughs> 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 was it was it through unity cuz unity has had a very polite presence in the gaming unit. like it it was i was heralded and i know some people who have worked over there and like it's it's it really has changed indie game making for the better and i didn't notice they were getting weird it, like do you remember like Everybody like Lord of the Rings movies? They bought Weta Digital. Huh. You uh, like Yeah, yeah. Uh you not 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 the visual effects movie aspect, but like the they bought a ton of their tools. If you look up on their website, they're called Unity Weta Digital Tools. They bought out like hmm. half of Peter Jackson's company. And yep. and I was like, "What the fuck? Unity's that big now that they can go buy like Industrial Light and Magic in New Zealand?" Uh and I don't know. This this weirds me the fuck out. I think this the this all of this has to be reversed and rethought because, like, yeah, if if your game is super successful, obviously maybe revenue share should change, but that is not going to be the case for everybody. And creating a prohibitive barrier that people can't. Did you see that stat? That someone tweeted that, but like, make a game. Game is freemium. Game makes two hundred thousand dollars from in-app purchases after being installed three million times. We now owe Unity twenty cents per two point eight million installs and five hundred and sixty thousand dollars. That's three hundred sixty thousand dollars more than we made. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's what that that math I was saying. Like, if your game has a lot of installs but very low per user monetization. Mm-hmm. This will be a bad deal for you, or or like they didn't differentiate. No, we just mean initial installs per device. Like, I mean, this is the hard thing about digital preservation that like almost every game you bought on your if you had the iPhone one, if that has is still available, it went through several redesigns and rejiggerings through Apple's. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I know what you mean. I, I held out hope for years. I, I had Ghost Trick installed on my phone, and I knew it wouldn't run if I ever booted it up. Yeah, like, yes. I just, I want we, to believe Ghost mm-hmm. Trick the will run. The naive aspect no, of like, I we bought this digitally. It it's, anymore. it's available don't, forever. Don't, like, don't burst that bubble for me. <laughs> but there are games like that. You might have purchased day one on Apple for real money, and you've downloaded on all five of your iPhones. Yep. Now this means moving forward, every time somebody downloads that game, Unity takes. 20 cents of free. (laughs) Why would you underestimate the percentage of mobile games built on unity? It's it's staggering. It might be a majority. It's definitely majority. It's yeah, it's 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 definitely majority. But like when we're talking about digital preservation, what's the incentive of that developer to keep their game available to you for free? If they have to optimize it with every OS change and then kick unity money over every time just to keep it freely available to you. In terms of mm-hmm. games preservation, this is fucking dangerous. Yeah, it's um, it is 
definitely a hot topic. We will see it how is, it resolves itself. It's insane. I don't know if I've been this animated and bored my co-host as much. It is evil on a level I have not seen in some time and sounds very poorly thought out. And I, I have to imagine there are smarter people involved in making this decision. I'm not saying Unity has every right to increase its rates, but it has to do it with accordance with what its customers can withstand. And it didn't. It announced something really stupid that pissed off everybody who uses it. Well, and those numbers, they didn't pull those numbers out of their ass. Those numbers are there for a reason. The problem is, any PR person will tell you this, optics don't give a fuck about those numbers. Like, mm-hmm. optics are what optics are. And the, and the optics right now are evil, greedy corporation is screwing the little guy over in terms of the little guy dev. That's, that's, that's the story. That's what people know right now. And they got to do everything they can to reverse that perception. The, the last thing I'll say in their defense, and I do not want to defend them, because I believe their plan was much more evil <laughs> than even 24 hours of backpedaling. And remember, all these executives sold a shitload of stock before this was announced, knowing it would be poorly received and they would make more money selling it then, including the CEO who sold it a week beforehand. Thousands of shares. Uh, they say only 10% of game makers will be affected by these changes. Either that's horseshit or, you know, your indie game makers may not understand the business around this uh, no, but, I believe but, it I, I believe it. I mean but that's just the games business in general is like 10% actually sounds high to me like I, yeah. I would have probably pegged it at maybe only 5% would have to yeah if you, I've only looked deeply at Unreal's numbers and it's like yeah given early access and all this other stuff and everything in the Switch store <laughs> there's no way many of these games are making Unreal payout thresholds before we do move on to the Nintendo and PlayStation stuff, I want to touch very briefly on the Apple event because something like out of all the the announcements, uh, there were some things that were very relevant to console gamers in that they were showing off like the new iPhone 15 with the uh, the A17 chip. They they mm-hmm. they surprised me. I did not know this was coming. Assassin's Creed Mirage is going to be available like the the console game that's coming out in a month is going to uh, arrive on iPhone 15 uh early next sometime sometime next year. Uh Resident Evil Village and Resident Evil 4 Remake are doing the same. Uh I think Chris you said like these games were all running on PS4, that's 10-year-old hardware. It's not that impressive that a, a phone would catch it's, up to it's that. It's less impressive, but it's still it's a still fucking miracle. Pretty <laughs> fucking cool if my it's if my phone is going to be on the level of a PS4. <laughs> Especially if they keep Have you ever seen an iPhone game on sale for $60? No. Like what the fuck is the model going to be for this? <laughs> like even even the the like most unrealistic like JRPGs release were like, you know, in the realm of like 30 to 40. <laughs> right. Like so this this could be a total disruptor, but again, it has some impacts with the Unity thing. Like what the games you heard announced are likely being subsidized by Apple in some respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, a lot of people depend on Unity to port their games over to new platforms, and this is a huge ham- hampering on on uh, digital success uh, for a company that was yeah, anyway. Sorry, yeah, yeah, but but still, like it, it's a phenomenal thing to think about because typically you'd get like uh, two gener- two to three generation old console games on mm-hmm. your iPhone. Um, yeah. 
I, I, I still don't. This is where I know I sound like it's old. old, but like it doesn't to me personally. It doesn't matter if those games run in that platform. I will never get used to the control scheme and the touch controls versus a dedicated controller. And yes, I know they have aftermarket solutions. Yeah, you know, they they did show off great. a dual sense controller being used with the the new iPhone, and, and you can weird? you can do that already. I think. I but think that's can, weird. It's it's, yeah. it's awkward. You prop your phone up and you're yeah. holding your controller yeah. in front of a tiny screen. Or, or you get one weird. of those little harnesses for your controller that attaches to the phone. But that's Do you remember silly. that that like 15 year old David Lynch commercial where he talks about watching a movie in your iPhone? Watching a movie on your iPhone? Are you fucking kidding me? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like why would you? Why would you like play a 4K experience on a screen that size? I had trouble playing Tears of the Kingdom undocked because it was so hard to read and. And mm. look at. Yeah. Uh, it makes me just want to go back and get like those peripherals we used to have to get forced on us with bundles with like 3DS. Like, yeah. just give me the huge magnifying glass exactly. to put over the screen yep. Yep. and the yep. book light looking thing and all ah, that shit. So. Announcing the Apple Eye Snake Light. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real thing, kids. We but, but, yes, we have. I, I don't like even like boy. even when we talked about Apple's <laughs> VR goggles. It's like. This is a technical miracle. Like, even though it might not have any application in my day to day life, yeah. I, I I don't like where I live now. And there's no. I used to spend my time on trains and buses, and there was plenty of time to to mobile yeah. game. Like, well, uh, I drive now. It, it's kind of like do do I want to play these games on my phone? Not really. Do I want to see how they run on a phone? Yes. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. Sure. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's so. By the way, like behind the scenes, like. I'm constantly giving Michael upgrade your fucking phone. And this is like the only time he's like, "Do I need to upgrade?" I'm like, you had a seven until like two years ago. <laughs> I have a I have a twelve. It's no, no, but you had a seven for a long time. Yeah. But it's just like, oh shit, I can play new games on my iPhone. Fuck yeah! yeah. And, he, and I was like, "Are you gonna play new games in your iPhone given your options?" And like, mm, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Not really. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so let's, yeah, let's get into the Nintendo Direct, which happened on Thursday. Hello, dear listeners. This is your old pal, Matty Al here. At this point in the show, we actually recorded on a different day. So my apologies if the sound changes a little bit from the rest of the show. That's just the nature of recording and mics and all that stuff. So sorry if it's a little jarring. But now, back to the show. Uh, so yeah, next up, Nintendo Direct. We we pushed the podcast a day to record this for those of you who are eagerly waiting on our Friday releases. Uh, and this gives us actually a new release to discuss because oh. guess what? F Zero is not dead. It's just sort of well, dead. Uh, F Zero ninety nine. F Zero ninety nine. brought its corpse out. out. We Yay. get to see F Zero's corpse. So they retooled it into a new thing. Like the the original SNES version with ninety nine players, but they add a bunch of cool stuff to it. It uh, is it is the most substantial one of these, and there's is it kind of plenty to play offline if that's what you care about. It is it would be you'd be just be playing like F Zero Super Nintendo Remastered, but it is pretty astonishing what they broke open the game and have it do here. No one's really, no one's officially done that with Super Nintendo games yet. So I thought this was really cool. You know, I'm I'm totally realizing I had completely forgotten they did a Mario one of these as well. Well, like it was one... temporary, Matt. Nintendo had to pull it forever after oh, Mario's birthday. Course. I mean, the, the one that I definitely probably put the most time into is Tetris 99. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe Pac-Man Pac- 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 99, 99 was really good too. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, 
It's the fourth one of these, yeah. These are all like these battle royales where they, you know, introduce some new set of rules, which in this one... So how do you get eliminated in this one? You bump people off the track or just bump them till they blow up? absolute fucking madness. That's how. That's how. (laughs) It is... It is... And it's so charming. Uh, You get eliminated. It's not actually pretty difficult to get eliminated, but you can get KO'd. There's a spin attack now, and you can be thrown into walls. Remember, your your, uh, ship's energy shares its turbo. So if you're low on energy, someone can run up and spin against you. Or... 89 people can run up and spin against you. It's like you, you can't just ride your boost through the whole thing. Like, uh, no, it's like I, I have had catastrophe after catastrophe. I should have recorded it because like I am in first place. I'm going to jam on the turbo. Someone comes up behind me a fucking pussy hair before the finish line. Mm. Boom. Did you not and, see the Fast and the Furious one? Dom taught you. You have to yeah. hold that Nas to the right point, man. Come on. I just thought I could explode it into that Cuban wall somewhere in Mute City. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's Cuban it's still wall. it's it's pretty amazing. As I made a joke, like, how do you get 99 players on a track? It, it'd be like the Three Stooges going through a door. Oh, yeah, you mugs. <laughs> right. But it, they... They make this amazing fan at the start of every level that, like, fans out 99 people and ah. then slowly condenses you into the regular-ass F-Zero tracks. And as of now, they're all regular-ass F-Zero tracks optimized in HD and widescreen, which is something that's never happened. It would be substantial even if there weren't 99 players. And then people drop pack pellets, and you can level up. And it's pretty yeah. awesome. It, it, you, you uh, you hit your turbo and you go up into the sky, so you avoid the catastrophe oh, yeah, of the this, dozens I saw of the yeah. sky road. Yeah, it's like yeah. a rainbow road, basically above the track with a with a barrier, so you could just kind of haul ass and scrape up against the wall, and it'll automatically turn you. It doesn't feel like it offers that crazy an advantage, but it gets you out of the fracas for a while. Which and is, there's lo- I'm predicting, by the way, that just the way things are going in society. That is what's going to happen with traffic. Rich people will pay yeah. extra and will have extra like road. rainbow roads above the rest of us with their flying cars. Yeah, they while we're already do. It's called traffic. helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the, the Tesla Hyperloop was supposed to be. It's like an underground road for rich people. Mm. Yeah. Yep. But they, they, this is this is amazing. The only weird thing is um, there's like just regular F099, some temporary tracks. And there's the Grand Prix, the thing you kind of want, because there are unlocks that you can mm. only get through the Grand there's, Prix. There's a shit ton of cars I saw in that trailer. Like, it, it's crazy. There are actually only four, but your unlocks are like a billion different skins for these mm-hmm. four mm-hmm. classic F-01 cars. Oh, I see. So they all there's only four kind of behaviors of the cars, but you can... No, they're, they're the four standard cars in the original yeah. F-0. Pico is back, baby. Hell yeah. Uh, the but, Pinto. But you, you, let's see. The 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 Santa Maria. No, I, I don't know. Uh, the Pico, Blue baby. Falcon, the Golden Fox, whatever Samurai Goro's thing is, and, and Pico's ride. I've forgotten. That's the one I use because it's the sturdiest. Uh, yeah. But even, even cool. So in the Grand Prix thing, that's like Fall Guys where like the last 20 people get eliminated and don't move on to the next of five rounds. I see. Uh, but but another, a really fun thing, if you do get eliminated... Uh-huh. Uh, you can respawn as one of those F-Zero dummy cars. Like, you know how there's... Well, F-Zero's a one-player game. Uh, you you can spawn as an NPC and fuck other players over who are still in the race oh, and nice. gain so points for your around. team. There's okay. one of those yeah. cars that look like football helmets. They, they call it Lucky Bumper or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they look... Uh, it, it's, and they drop golden snitches. <laughs> the, my only complaint about it is that the Grand Prix stuff happens every two to four hours. I think they said this weekend a Grand Prix will occur every 30 minutes. 
but you need to play the regular stuff and some of the time stuff to get tickets to get into the Grand Prix. And it's just like, oh, that was great. Oh, I failed out of the third round. I have to wait four hours to try this again. <laughs> but not the, not not the, while you're listening to this. I thought, as far as freebies go, fucking amazing. As far as the return of F Zero, pretty adorable. Quote and, unquote freebie, free with your subscription. Yeah, your twenty I mean, yeah. dollar a year subscription. I I'm sure many of our listeners have forgotten they already give Nintendo thirty dollars a year. Is it thirty? I thought it was twenty, and then I do the the family one, which is like fifty. Ugh. No, yeah, yeah no I way. still can't get myself to do that, despite the announcements of new Mario Kart stuff. But it, it, if you're an F Zero fan, like it's not a new game, but it's really cool, and sure. it's 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 hard to take. I I wanted to start looking at it like okay okay how do you get really good at F zero ooh you press down to cushion your fall after a, a ramp um, there's there's kind of hidden stuff in there from the original game it's nice. it's fascinating I don't know that it'll attain you for more than like two or three hours but what a neat thing to do for F zero's yeah. the twentieth anniversary of its death. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, I, I would imagine a lot of people who are expecting the return of the series are a bit disappointed. But as, as we've said on many, many shows before, like things like this, it does behoove you to engage with it and play with it because you can bet yeah. Nintendo's keeping an eye to see how many people play this thing to see like is there enough demand or interest in an, a, a new F Zero? So and, and and unlike those other games, there weren't a ton. Tetris had some more aggressive stuff you could do you can be more aggressive in this game it plays more like a battle royale rather than you trying to survive on your own yeah but it's it's pretty hard to take out a guy completely on your own you kind of got to get lucky cars emit a bunch of smoke when they're low on energy so if you see one just go bash it with your spin attack which has a minor recharge whatever it's fucking cool i don't again i think f-zero is the series i said two weeks ago is about as dead as you can be 20 years is a long time to be dead dead but uh, nothing's impossible with Nintendo, even yeah. though boy, are they remake happy? And oh yeah, <laughs> and this, it, this 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 could be considered a glorified remake. In it's a great itself. segue into the rest of this Nintendo yeah. Direct. So we're going to go, we're, I think we're all looking at the same IGN article. So we're going in the order that they are going, which they kind of start with the biggest and then work their way down. We're not going to cover everything, but the guess the uh, the one last thing announcement, the final one they did. Uh, probably the biggest announcement Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door HD was announced it's a full HD remake of the classic Paper Mario uh, game from the GameCube I'll be the honest, best I, Paper I was Mario telling you, could be it could be I was I was telling you guys in chat though it's like my the way that game looks in my mind's eye and, and the paper games have always meant to kind of have this timeless look I'm like mm-hmm. And the fact that I'm old and so time is weird and, and di- dilates, is that what they say? But anyway, it doesn't feel like that long ago since I actually played the Thousand Year Door. And I'm like, I don't know that I need to go back to this, but here's this here's, here's the me. thing. Maybe this is for the new people who never played the original. You I mean, know? I never recognize with my nostalgia. Matt, if you didn't play this at your parents' house, you probably feel like you played it recently. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah, that's a good and, point. Yeah. Yeah, this was and, definitely me in my early twenties on my own yeah. Uh, playing. Yeah, and I, and I love it. It's it's great. So if you if you like the other Mario RPG games or just the other Paper Marios, um, this is well, like well, I, I would even say uh, it's it's so weird to announce this alongside Super Mario RPG because for me this was for a while the end of Super Mario RPG. This mm, has mm. almost entirely the same mechanics. 
that the Paper Mario series would eventually abandon for a while and then kind of return to with Origami King. King. But the the timed attack stuff is amazing. Yeah, it's it's they abandon it in the next Paper Mario game and then really abandon it. Really memorable characters like side characters in there. There's like that little female Goomba that follows you around most of the game. It's Mm -hmm. quirky and charming and more visually important. Not a Nintendo 64 game, so it's going to look pretty cool. It it wasn't something that was like graphically trying to to break the bank. It was just something that was supposed to look cute, and it's. I can't imagine it'll look any less cute on the on in HD. Yeah. yeah. So that was. I think they just said 2024. I don't know that they gave a date on that one, did they? And and that's that's just minor Nintendo infuriation because like yes, thousand year door. And then I just you know I, I always walk you know I'm walking back to the bathroom like I am a fucking hostage of Nintendo. I'm excited about this because they won't normally do this. Mm-hmm. This is just, it doesn't look like. They made a new game at all. They, it's the same game that they have refused to sell for 20 years. And I'm getting all... For this game I already have and played through twice. And probably is just going on the eShop, I would guess. And then they put a tentative date on it as if like, well, this might need more time in the barrel. Like, will it? I don't... You're, you're not balancing <laughs> well, any... What, what do you, <laughs> I, I think visually, like, I, I was kind of struck by, like, okay, the, the sprites look almost exactly the same, but if you look behind them, if you look at the polygons moving around, if you look at what mm-hmm. the characters look like when they turn to the side, it's like, this looks really good, actually. Yeah, but it, it, yeah. it's, it's like Wind Waker. It chose a style over yep. Bombast, mm-hmm. right. and it'll look good forever. That's right. That's why I think even if you go back and look at the original, it probably doesn't look as good as you remember it, but it still looks pretty darn good. But yeah, I'm this sure looks better. So. I'm sure they did some enhancements, but it's still just yeah, like... they did. Are you excited for the second ever GameCube official release from Nintendo? I don't know. Are you excited for Mario vs. Donkey Kong? Re- I it's know. another remake. I am, remakes. actually. February and 16th. This one's coming soon. Yeah, and I think if you're a Donkey Kong 94 fan, uh, you will like Mario vs. Donkey Kong. Like, I, I, I thought it, this was another sequel. I didn't even realize until later after the, the show is like oh it's a remake of the gba game this which, this is a, actually this is to paper mario to uh super mario rpg it's what this is that to donkey kong 94 it's not uh, a sequel it's a spiritual successor that kind yeah. of borrows heavily from it because i confuse it with the mini games series. because mario versus donkey kong eventually became just lemmings clones yeah that were yeah, yeah those only, th- those know? were the sequels but the original was a very much a donkey kong style puzzle game um like the, it's it, one of my favorite games it clicked in my head when they had that puzzle with like oh if you hit the switch block underneath this little long-tailed monkey toy that marches back and forth, it'll drop down and you can hang on its tail like a vine from Donkey Kong Jr. And it's like, oh yeah, I remember doing that. It's it's almost sad, because it is, for all intents and purposes, kind of the last Donkey Kong game. Kind uh, of, the yeah. traditional Donkey Kong game, because it was, it was Nintendo with Donkey Kong 94. They're trying to basically create a new Donkey Kong game, but the name Donkey Kong doesn't have as much cachet is putting Mario in the title, and fuck, he's the star of the game. Why not call it Mario vs. Donkey Kong? But it's a valiant attempt by Nintendo to create the same way they make new Super Mario Brothers. It is kind of new Donkey Kong to make a single-screen game with a more modern approach. It's just that, like, man, I never loved this game. And I think Michael pointed out something yesterday. I never hear a bunch of people say about the way GBA looks. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, no, the, the GBA graphics for the most part, have yeah. aged terribly. What was the resolution yeah. of the GBA monitor? It was, it's, it's like single hundred 
in terms of one well, of the but, but sides. But it's, it's right? just it's the so aesthetics. Like yeah. if you look at them, it's it's sort of like Donkey Kong Country sprites, but blander. Like yeah. you can tell, like this was 3D rendered and then turned into sprites, and it just looks kind of bad. And it like it has a distinctive look, also. Like you can tell, like that that was a GBA game on site. Mm-hmm. I just I just checked 240 by 160 was the resolution wow 160p. Wow. So you're trying to do you're trying to do polygons on a 160. P screen. I mean, that's like what? That's like a hundredth of a of a 4K resolution. Maybe not a hundredth, but it's like it's nothing. It's yeah. I, no I look terrible. I had heard the rumor there'd be something with Donkey Kong, and this game is much better than the minis games, in my opinion. I really don't like those. Uh, I, I yeah. love be more like Donkey Kong '94, but I really had the idea like they were gonna do a real new Donkey Kong game, like you know when Nintendo uses the word "new" as in its trademarked new yeah. Donkey Kong. I really um, wish they'd done something like that instead. You know what I'm excited for? Probably the thing I'm most excited for from this conference, they showed off a lot of it, and I was surprised they did that. It's the Princess, Be- Princess Peach Showtime coming in oh, March. Yeah. That, looks that game cool. looks great. It looks, it's almost like a Kirby game in that like, she can take on powers and abilities uh, to get through the platforming sections, but it's just like... I am I am totally here for this game. Yeah, like instead of like Super Princess Peach, where she uses her girl emotions to solve puzzles, now she uses her wardrobe. Yeah, and instead of <laughs> uh, using, using like Super Mario Three, using the aesthetics of being a play, it it is all set in a the theater mm-hmm. for real yeah. this time, and you change costumes or characters to change what abilities you have, not unlike Kirby, but with seemingly more substantial gameplay. Right. Sorry, Kirby fans. It looks it looks great. Um, so that is coming March twenty second. So man, I feel like Q one is packed for Nintendo right now. It's the one thing oh, I yeah. sent my friends with daughters who, when talking about video games, like why isn't there a Princess Peach game? Like there is. Nintendo just won't sell it to you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, but here you here you go. Here's a full like full Princess Peach game, and she's not behaving like Mario. Yeah. Um, finally. Well, if that one doesn't objectify women enough for you. We got the Tomb Raider 1, 2, and 3 remasters coming on Valentine's Day. What do you say mm. there, fuckboys? Get ready to uh, spend Valentine's Day alone with some Lara Croft. Let's go. I made the joke in our chat, but like, I don't know which one I'll ignore first. Don- <laughs> Mario vs. Donkey Kong or the Tomb Raider 1 through 3. I mean, it is, it is substantial because there's plenty of PlayStation emulators you could get to run a light remapping a resolution retouch for the original Tomb Raiders but the visuals are just the beginning of those games problems and I'm curious if they did anything because remember that Tomb Raider anniversary game that was amazing yeah 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 that's the thing I was like didn't we do this um so the one thing I'm excited for you guys remember the Halo collection the Master Chief collection Mm -hmm. had the thing where you could just seamlessly toggle between new graphics old graphics and Not re- not load into it. It's just in real time. This has that apparently. Mm-hmm. You can you can yeah, toggle they, between they the, new and the old stuff. And then the um, <laughs> you can toggle are, between bad and worse. <laughs> it looks like they are adding some ex- uh, expansions and then secret levels. So maybe they are okay. adding some new stuff to these games. Maybe stuff that was on the cutting room floor. Yeah, I didn't I didn't read into the, anything other than they showed the press conference. But to me, it just had like AI written all over it and just. Yeah. I don't like. I don't have a ton of nostalgia for those games. Like, I'm really a moving forward guy with Tomb Raider. I've liked, other than Angel of Darkness, I've liked every new direction it's taken and mm. not looked back. Uh, let's see. That Luigi's Mansion 2 HD got dated. That's coming next, or maybe not dated, but it's next summer. They confirmed, mm-hmm. which is like 
all the Luigi's Mansion games are, are great and perfect, and you should yep. play them all. I love this is the all. best one. Yeah, it's good. And, the, um, and, and I'm more excited they brought multiplayer back. It has good multiplayer that, because it was on 3DS, was poorly populated and almost never worked. But it was really fun. Splatoon 3, that new expansion coming out. Is anyone still playing Splatoon 3? I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a Japanese child. I mean, it has its dedicated <laughs> fan base, but I'm not <laughs> sure. part of it. Um, we got another look at the Prince of Persia game, Michael. The yeah. Lost Crown. I'm the, at, the oh, oh, happy that came out, showing off the combat, uh, which is really cool. And uh, Did you just say pop pop because of the look of this guy in the in the trailer? Because he does look no, a little bit no, like... No, no, because it's the abbreviation. Prince of Persia. Oh, oh gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> No, I, I did not think he looked like magnitude. It never, never occurred to me. I mean, the still on IGN's page. I'm like, yeah, he looks like an edgy magnitude. I could see that. Hmm. It's amazing. Um, we got a new trailer for Super Mario RPG, which is like, hey, that thing's coming anytime now. Trombone Champ coming to Switch. That was fun. Which, <laughs> yeah. frankly, the most surprising thing for me is like, that's not already. On, that seems like it was already on Switch. It seems perfectly suited for. This I mean, it, it's just odd that that's that's the game it chose to make its PUBG to Microsoft. Like, <laughs> we're gonna get this on. On this platform, goddammit, even if it takes us two and a half years. It I looks mean, like you're playing with Miis. I just I had always yeah, assumed it was yeah, built on... They do yeah. look like Miis. Uh, yeah, with this, motion this seems like a natural fit for Trombone mm-hmm. Champ. Uh, Dave the Diver, one of my games of the year. So there excited. I said it. Coming to Switch next date? month. Thank uh, God, I'm dying October 26th. October 26th. Ugh. Fuck Halloween. I'm all Dave the Diver. Just as soon as you're done with Sonic Superstars. You can, you ah, can wrap that uh, up mm-hmm. and uh, go October 26th after Superstars on the 17th. Shameless plug. Uh, let's see the Mario DLC, the Mario Kart DLC, another Wave 6. <laughs> Fucking 6. 6 booster packs. I, I meant to look... Oh, that was, wait, if I can... That was another milestone I was really excited about. I go to download F-Zero, which is like a gig or less... And my Nintendo, for the first time in seven years, my Switch is like, you are out of memory. Would you? Like, what? Holy shit, I didn't know that could happen. Zelda's 16 gigs, for fuck's sake, and I have 250 gigs in here. And I'm like, what do you want me to delete? And it's like, would you like to delete this? Mario Kart 8? No. Uh, (laughs) No, Nintendo, bad. Why would you suggest You haven't played it in a while. (laughs) That takes up 150 gigs. It takes up... uh, It's odd that it takes up more than Zelda and Mario Odyssey. I mean, there's been a lot of content for it. That doesn't surprise me. It's a big game. Um, There's a lot of kind of JRPG stuff announced. I'm going to focus on the one that... I was most excited about, and again, Sega employee here, shameless plug, if you guys want to go back and cover any of the other ones you were excited about, but Unicord Overlord is the new tactics RPG from uh, Vanillaware, the folks behind mm. 13 Sentinels, all of those beautifully hand-drawn looking games. Um, I've loved all the Vanillaware games. They are, they they be crunchy with the tactics RPG stuff, but they, they've always looked great. This is like, you know, the Odin Sphere people, that's them, the Vanillaware, they, they look beautiful. Yeah. And that is coming to the Switch. That's the one that excited me the most, and that's coming March 8th. Did you guys, what about any of these other things announced? Michael, I think you mentioned one you were excited about. Yeah, Aiden Chronicles. So this was initially, like, announced as the, it's a spiritual successor to Sui Koden, uh, where you, like, amass a huge army of RPG characters. I do like Sui Koden. And uh, they released a prequel game where it was, like, a a side-scrolling action RPG and right. it's like, well, this yes, isn't yes, yes. quite what I, I mean. This is interesting. It's not really what I wanted, but now this is going to be the real thing. The the Aiden Chronicles okay. Hundred Heroes game. Well, I thought this had come out. I remember there was that weird stopgap game that was almost like, do you guys just need some funding so you could finish the actual game? It was like, yeah, yeah. like 
remember that one and so okay this is the the real deal this yeah is the, the follow-up to that so and and it's okay. coming in april so that's pretty cool i'm awesome. excited to see a return of not this series but this style of rpg yeah and then, i mean there was also i never got into the another code games but there's like a collection of them it's a compilation no it's called games. recollection Oh, well, yeah, but no, it is, it is, it is two of the games. Yeah, it, it is, is two, two of the games, games yes. It's a clever, yeah. clever package. These are DS games, right? That, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one, one remastered and one never released here. Did like the, the tagline, like, meet a mysterious boy. It's like, that is clearly a ghost. <laughs> it's not mysterious. <laughs> Ghosts are mysterious, Mike. Oh, yeah, I guess. All right. Sora Amiibo! Oh, yeah. How'd they yeah, do it? Some Amiibo How'd stuff. they make a Sora? How'd you get Disney to let you s- sell a product? Oh, wait. Jesus Christ. That's pretty much half of every store. Did you see that the Kingdom Hearts characters are like part of the Halloween bash at, Dis- at the Disney parks? Are they year? really? Yeah, yeah. It's I like mean, I'm not. I, 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 I'm, I'm very angry. I'm in a bad situation there where I have an annual pass, but my card got hijacked, so I don't know if the last payment was made. I don't know mm-hmm. if I could afford to go. And you sent a video. I'm like, wow, I didn't know they had Judge Dune from Roger Rabbit in the park 30 years ago. I'm like, no, that's this year. Yeah. What? Yeah. I, don't tell year. me anything else. I, he's I got don't an wanna... animatronic shoe that he's dipping in. The yes, <laughs> that he murders in front of you to the delight <laughs> yeah, of all your great. children. Well, it is a Halloween-themed thing. Um, but yeah, that so they. I mean, Mickey's there in all his full wallet chain glory. So check that but, out. But but I I thought he I really thought he might be a character from Smash to not get an amiibo. The other announcements were here's some more Tears of the Kingdom amiibos and like I know not everybody's like me and not pretty done with Tears of the Kingdom, but like I gotta go finish it. You should <laughs> probably forgot. release those things a little more frequently if you yeah. want people to care. Yeah. Or maybe closer to the launch of the game. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Zelda and Ganondorf have new amiibos coming. Yeah, and then some yeah. stuff from Xenoblade Chronicles 3, because that series Big snore. to exist. Yeah, yeah. Big snore. What's going on there? Where Who's, who's know, playing Everything that I've game? heard about Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is like, this is one of the best JRPGs of all time. Everyone should play it. And every time I try to get into it, it's just like, it's okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. It, may, it just doesn't click with it me. It really I'm not hooks saying, you at hour 150, It's still good. That's I, li- I, I like the first one. It is incredibly compelling, but it is... Very clearly, like, hey, you, give me a hundred hours of your time, hmm. all the time. But I, I don't want have a hundred hours. Yeah, but I don't want to do this for a hundred hours. This is really kind of a throwback game. Uh, but you know why okay. I won't have a hundred hours, especially come February next year. Is there you segueing? Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Ah, uh, yes. Oh. Let's get Coming into the out. the state of play. That's the that's the first, that's the biggest announcement I think from that state of play. Um, this is way sooner than I think any of us thought this thing was coming. Yeah, Even though but, Square had continued again. to tell us, though this is coming soon, we're like, well, I don't believe but you. You're that's swear. the thing. It's yeah, like we're yeah. coming coming soon. It's like it's been four years. Like yeah, that. Yeah. Okay, that's not a long time for a modern Square Final Fantasy game, but that is a long time for like a normal sequel. True. Yeah, but it's still it's still downright expedient to a square compared to a square sequel where you get one Final Fantasy game a decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to playing the next chapter. Do did they ever confirm how many total are there going to be? Or maybe they haven't I confirmed that. I thought they said 4. Could be. But I could be wrong. And I, I love that in the trailer it calls out like this is on two discs, motherfuckers. Get that ready. That is so silly. <laughs> what, are you, what are you trying to say with We used with to that? hate that about games. No, one, no one cares it's on two discs. <laughs> no, it's, no, actually, it's, it's nostalgia. It's like Blockbuster. Like, oh man, yeah. I remember when games were on two discs. Uh, yeah, and I downloaded the last one. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how to care about that. Yeah, like what does that mean for the download? Is it going to be like 200 gigs? What, what the fuck? 
I, I guess probably, that's probably, probably what they're going to make you put the disc in, do the first half of the download, make you put the disc in, do the second half of the download, and then just keep the disc in to check that you own the thing. Is it going to be like Metal Gear Solid Four? Yeah. <laughs> you have to watch Cloud smoking for twenty yes, minutes. That's what I. Yeah, that's all I want is yeah. to see Cloud smoking. Wow! Now that now that you mentioned, it, it's been four years since FF Seven yeah, Rebirth. Yeah. Came, so are they going to drag? Well, it came so out Final in, in April twenty twenty. Because oh, so, they had that DLC, the which integrated. Kind of, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So Final Fantasy VII is going to be a saga that lasts three console cycles. Oh, at least I, I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking this thing will probably span twenty years, which is Whew. wild. Mm. Yeah. Well, also Cloud on a Segway. Cloud on a oh, Segway. <laughs> Cloud on a Segway was neat. That yeah. Was and, and let me let me. I meant to put this in the news because it is technically the biggest news of the week and the biggest new release. The most played game in the world hits PlayStation, and there's like a there's a quick mention of it during the press Roblox. conference. I was at a conference where they announced mm-hmm. that man. Roblox, yeah. I'm kind of surprised it's only just now hitting PlayStation that I realize, like, okay, I keep seeing ads for it on Xbox, so it's been on Xbox One for a long ass time. Yep. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a big deal that it's coming there. Um, I sorry, real quick to go back to that Final Fantasy. I I did mean to call out. I kind of feel like they did. Our boy Vincent and uh, Zach Dirty, like they they were in the trailer, but they just kind of appear like no fanfare. I'm like, you're gonna show Vincent for the first time, and that's how you show. Same thing with how do how do you say Cat Sith, Kate Sith? How do you, how do you I've, pronounce? I've heard Kate Sith. I think the the actual mythological thing is like Kite She, but they're all just sort of thrown in the trailer. I'm like, each one of those deserve their own trailer. Like 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 make it a big deal. Like these three characters are in this version of the game. It, I don't know, just kind of bugged me i'm like the fucking zach is my favorite final fantasy character maybe of all I, time like, i was gonna say maybe that was elaborated on in that crisis core remake but you played all that didn't I you i played so, through that thing and, yeah. and it doesn't hmm. that crisis core remake isn't in the same continuity as this no it's, it's as the remakes it's, it's the original continuity yeah, it's not oh original they, they continuity. don't scatter some kind of clue in there like some people said like the credits sort of hinted but i'm like no it's different continuity it's it's more you know just Spoiler alert, folks! It's more the ending of the first remake, Final Fantasy VII remake game. There is, there is some Zack stuff, you know, and it's like everyone was super stoked because it's like he's supposed to be dead. Wait, what's going on? And then he just fucking appears in this trailer, like assisting Cloud, which could be a flashback. Yeah. It's like, oh, that maybe doesn't need to be current times or not. You can't really tell. So yeah, I, but Vincent Valentine, fucking, he's a vampire guy. Mm-hmm. You gotta. You gotta give him some gravitas when he appears, because he's stupid and full of fake gravitas. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I love him. Uh, hey, Spider-Man 2, you know what else I love? Fucking Spidey suits. Guess yeah. how many you're gonna get in this game? <laughs> Over 60. 65. Just four more. Why couldn't you give us four more, Insomniac? Come on, that would have been nice. All I want is the Spider-Verse punk rock Spider-Man Oh, yeah. Spider Punk, the Hobie outfit, Spider Punk outfit. Give me as, that as, one. It's... As we were watching, I'm like, is this? Are these all like pre-order incentives? And I guess that they were just highlighting the various suits to show yeah. them off. I, th- I think I know. I, wasn't there a Spider Punk outfit in the first Spider Man? There was, thing? but I want the one the the rotating. What do you call them? Collage yeah. zine. That that <laughs> would be pretty cool. And Sony does have the license to that, so why not? Yeah, that's uh, we'll see. We'll that's see. Good. And uh, it's the multiverse hasn't been addressed in the game so far. Uh, get the everybody gets a wingsuit as a new way to tra- traverse. And I love that Which Miles Morales. Miles Morales is so important to the goddamn game. They added a burrow. 
They, and, they added mm-hmm. two Burrows. Yeah, yeah. It only took them second. 19 years of open-world Spider-Man games to extend out to Brooklyn and Queens. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. It, it, it basically adds a second island from mm-hmm. the original, and... Uh, this game, I, I don't need to be sold on this game anymore. It's a, it's definitely a take my money situation. It looks amazing. Uh, my, my, my favorite thing from the conference because it's Spider. It looks like game of the year. It looks gorgeous. Uh, couldn't be happier that it's coming. It's absolutely definitely coming out next month or this month. I can't remember. It's October twentieth. It's confirmed. It's October the same 20th. day as Mario Wonder. Oh my. God, this yeah. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God damn it! Uh, but I did love. And yeah, now you play as Miles and Peter, and you can switch between them anytime you want, almost instantly. I'm like, ooh, that almost. What do you mean? <laughs> like, this, I was just uh, talking about Motor Force. God damn it! What's that game's name? Motorfest. Mo- Motorfest. You switching a la GTA Five let you switch characters seamlessly. <laughs> Like, ten years sure. ago, what does your almost mean? <laughs> I think they probably couldn't say you can do it at any time, probably because there's some story reasons where it'll lock out a character. It, but it wasn't like you could almost any time. It was almost instantly. Yeah. Well, and I like, mean, GTA was also almost instantly where it's just like, it's not like Franklin steps aside and Trevor true. steps in. It, pulled, it does it hide its load back. screen with a... Yeah. It hides a load, yeah. <laughs> that zoom in thing. And now let's see what he's doing on the other ass end of the map. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, Resident Evil 4, Separate Ways DLC, coming That's out cool. next week. Yeah, yeah. They, they did that with the original RE4 on PS2, you get to play as Ada, and yeah. like, that's awesome. Fine. What about VR? The VR version, PlayStation I, it, VR two. Said mode, so it did crazily look like all this is coming to your. If you have RE4 remake, you'll yep. have access to all this stuff. Because I just thought, like, it's a free download. They confirmed. We've it's joked about how many Resident Evil Four ports and remakes there have been, but to have two Resident Evil Four VR games is pretty confusing. <laughs> Uh, so hopefully oh, it's just right, a mode. Because there's that other one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The, original the original one. It's like a remastered original is on VR. And that was like a year ago. It wasn't yeah. that long ago, right? Yeah. It's really good also. Nice, it, nice. But I, um, I would guess uh, I would guess it's a mode because that's what 7 had. Yeah, um, they, 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 they confirmed it's basically a free download. Uh, they just mm-hmm. said this winter, which can either mean... I usually assume when people say winter, December through February. Uh, I, given how the weather's become more extreme, I can assume April at this point. It's freezing. <laughs> sure, sure. Actually, Matt, uh, you were asking me for VR recommendations. That RE4 game and Super Hot both are, are super, essential super in hot. VR. Yeah, I, I already own Super Hot on PlayStation VR. So, super okay. All right. uh, Avatar. Fuck, dude, this game looks good. Um, yeah. Not to act too surprised. Sorry, Michael. There's a Ubisoft Avatar open world game. I I was kind of telling you guys like the only my only problem with it is the avatar skin like the, if this was just a Far Cry game I might be even more excited because it looks beautiful the animals and shit are like gigantic that you're interacting with the world looks huge like I'm I'm really excited for yeah, this and yeah, I know they've excited, they've right? put a lot of effort into creating this world of Pandora and making it like they they want to make it very tactile and want you to feel like you're touching it and interacting with it so yeah, yeah. I I. Resent being the avatar stand of these programs just because <laughs> I'm the one who confesses to liking the movies that make $3 billion every time they come out. Like, people love these things. There's three-hour lines at Disney World to ride the, the avatar ride. And every time, I, I haven't seen the movies that many times, but every time I do, I'm like, yeah, this is 
fucking great video game material. It's not just the flora and fauna, but like you there's remember mechs. the notion. There's Titanfall uh, mechs in these there's fucking, mechs, yeah. and and if as long as uh, you're a blue guy whose names are it's Navi. Uh, well, yeah, mm-hmm. the Navi, the tree ones. I can't remember. No, um, that's, I think that's the total race. Or they're all Navi, aren't yeah, they? they? No, they, I think they called the water people something different. They, they have mm. different tribal names, and there will be multiple tribes in this. Yeah, uh, that you can interact with. But and that's uh, also interesting because it's coming at a weird time where like Disney delayed the movie that was supposed to come out this winter. Mm. So I wonder if it'll have material no one's knows about yet. It, because, d- it doesn't it, look like well, it, it, it is, ties into the water stuff that it's, much No, it it's all in, in the forest. It's in an thing. area called, I think, the Western Frontier. It's a new area of Pandora you haven't seen before. You play as a Navi who was uh, basically kidnapped as a child by the RDA and raised like a human to, you know, learn all that, like here, we'll, we'll teach you how to use guns and we'll teach you human culture. And so you don't really have any connection with the Navi culture. So it's about like being sort of a, a fish out of water, but you're really a fish in water, but you've never been in water. Never, so. never been done before in a video game. And, and yet, I'm sure you will take to all of the systems yeah, and that's culture why stuff just that's right why it's a, it's, not, it's a brilliant uh, world to create a game out of. In addition to that, like, you can see plugging your braid into the tree, because the whole world of Avatar is connected from the animals to everybody's right. history, everything that has ever lived. And these are all video game mechanics we take for granted now because we don't ask them to make sense, but Avatar makes sense of that universe. I'm sorry, but that, I mean, about the movies, could you be any more heavy handed with your environmental message? Like, we're all connected. Like, everything you do affects <laughs> this tree, affects the water. Well, in the, well, in the Matt, case of Avatar, it's very literal, where everything on this planet is interconnected. I, I know, it's, but it's you're it's speaking as the lone species with zero homeostasis with the rest of the planet. <laughs> Why do you think a deer can sense a tsunami before you can? I got lots of homeostasis, okay. <laughs> and 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 what, the, one of the things I did like about it, and I don't know, this is just me speculating. It's one of those things I I've only seen the movie. I've seen the first movie maybe three or four times, and the second movie twice in theaters, and have been to the Disney parks. God damn, man! What I always forget. The Navis are fucking giants. And there was a scene with yeah. the Navi holding a gun. I'm like, that gun would have had to have been ripped off a mech. And it, I didn't see that happen because it's otherwise... It's unsettling when you, you know, in video games you see your hands. like, But when you when you see the Navi arms, they look like the monitor is stretched out or something. Because they're like these long... It's like it's like if Manu, you were playing a first-person shooter starring Manute Bull. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. it's like super long. And so, so that's <laughs> something the trailers don't convey, and, and I think you have to remind yourself by actually experiencing it. Oh, look, he's shooting a bow and arrow. Remember, you're going to be shooting at humans, and your arrows are the so- like twice the size of a spear. Right. They are deadly enough to like take down a helicopter with a single arrow. Yeah, because they're they're really tall too, right? The Navi yeah. are like eight or nine feet tall, or something. They're giants. You're going to be playing as a giant. And how many games do you get to play as a goddamn giant and shoot and stab humans? It's, it sounds really cool. Certainly not Bennett Foddy's next game, Baby Steps. Oh, man, I love this trailer. <laughs> Squeezing in F-bombs right at the start of the show. Right at the start, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, just grapple I, that fucker. I love that his his niche, like, he's the, the modern Sid Meier, but his whole niche is just like, yeah, movement is weird and physics are weird, and I'm going to make simple games based on that. Like, this game's all mm-hmm. about, it's, it's like a fucking... Death Stranding, but you don't know how to walk, and you are awkwardly—I'm guessing using the sticks of the controller. Yeah, my, my guess is that you have to. It, 
from the the way that the character looks, like you're you're gonna hold like L two or something to lift your leg, yeah, and then move yeah. the stick to to move it in midair. Oh, no, you're, and... you're probably gonna, like like the way you climb ladders in some games. You'll have to grip with, yeah. with each foot, like leave <laughs> or, this here or, yeah. and then raise my upper body. Ugh. I could I could also see L one to raise your leg, move the stick around L two to grip, and yeah. then you have to push forward. <laughs> It's it. You know what it reminded me of speaking of VR is like when your VR tracking is off and all of a sudden your arm just twists into a pretzel inside the VR space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like what the hell happened to that controller? Like that is happening to your player model in this. It's 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 a weird yeah. looking game, a walking simulator with obviously with a sense of humor. Uh, yeah, just grapple, just grapple. All right, well I'm yeah. just gonna grapple. I, I love that because it's like pointing to like there's a grapple icon right there. See, and it's like it's useless to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a standard tutorial thing. He's you like, can't I use will it. Just grapple bit. And, uh, and I uh, wonder in the game is he gonna do that inner monologue the way he was doing? That's in the what trailer. I thought was cool. That's what I thought because it looks like that's the voice acting. He's gonna have to. You're gonna have to cue certain lines when he touches things during trial and error. Yeah. All right, the tree, and now my foot's on the post. Like, <laughs> oh wow, that might that might require a ton of work. It looks funny. Uh, it looks yeah. funny. Um, Ghostbusters: Rise of the Ghost it. Lord is a PSVR two. I was surprised at the amount of PSVR stuff that was in this conference. Sony clearly not, well, not giving up, not on abandoning the platform. it. That's kept them out next month, and a, a new original Ghostbusters VR experience. Unless it was on something else that I missed it. I think this is new, right? I can't remember because there was that Ghostbusters game that came out within a year that pe- that scored pretty well. This one's and set I- in San Francisco, though, huh? Oh shit! Yeah. Yeah. All right, you want you want to go shoot? There probably a lot more ghosts, uh, a lot more old buildings. I uh, I actually was telling you guys one of my favorite parts, and it was kind of just favorite because it was so cringe. Uh, I am a, a connoisseur of forced co-op gameplay sequences during first-party press conferences, and Helldivers mm. 2 had quite a bit of those. And on top of that, my other favorite thing is when you have non-native English speakers speaking with their European accents during gameplay mm-hmm. moments. Ubisoft is famous for these, by the way. But like, so like Helldivers 2 though looks like. Uh, what is that giant bug killing series? Shit, uh, EDF. It looked EDF? like EDF. I, I, I was going to say Lost Planet, but okay, yeah, 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 a little Lost Planet too. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah it's yeah. fucking nuts because I I liked the original Helldivers a lot, but this is crazy. This is like a total rethink of the series. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I didn't get into the original Helldivers, so I really. Have no That's what I find. I, I find. I think it was a first party Sony game, and it was one of the first. Games I remember, like yeah, to launch with crossplay, so you can buy it on everything and once, and uh, it, great Vita game. But it was it was a top down, it was top down, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, okay. tactical uh, twin stick shooter. Now gone full third person, Gears yeah. of War, Lost Planet. Yeah, it's it, I I admire them for like treating this like a series that most people remember because even I had a hard time. I'm conjuring like, is this the same? I had to look it up during the during the, the presentation. Like, this is the same game. All right, yeah. same series. It uh, is. Yeah, it looks 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 fine. But I just but it was it was one of the best so. performing Vita exclusives for a while. Sure, uh, the highest reviewed Vita exclusives. Yeah. Well, we see, we'll see what they can do in 3D. Uh, Foam Stars that uh, mm. Splatoon and the rest of the conference was anime. Yeah. Splatoon <laughs> with just dance coaches. There you go, uh, and foam. That's getting mm-hmm. an open beta September 29th. 
uh, to October 1st, so uh, mark your calendars if you want to play a Splatoon clone on PlayStation. And, this is and you want to download it and play it once for your podcast, that's the day to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's somehow directed at Mike, but I don't <laughs> I was directed at me. Like, okay, I, like, fair enough. Like, who wants, who wants a Splatoon ripoff in their life? Uh, people who don't own Nintendo systems. Sure, maybe. sure. I'm, I'm saying... I mean, it looks like it has a unique hook. I don't know that it's going to pull people away from Fortnite just from looking at the trailer, but sure. uh, or who well, knows? Actually, that's one thing as a parent I can tell you is like, I don't want my kids to be playing shooter games yet, you know, like with actual guns and stuff. So things like Splatoon and Foam Stars, even though it's it's the gun mechanic, it's like ah. That seems more acceptable to them at that age. It's, so yeah, maybe it's the fun is... without the violence necessarily. I'm yeah, totally absolutely. with you on that. I just don't. I don't think Splatoon is sold well enough to merit a ripoff. I think Splatoon does sells really well, actually. The charts, probably, I've, I've I'm probably it. incorrect on that, but but you know, but by virtue of it being first party Nintendo and not a lot of competition. Sure, sure, mm. uh, yeah. So, um, and then la- this one is a bit of a surprise. This is a game. I want to say this was one of Brett's game of the year when it came out. Oh yeah. Uh, Tales of Arise is getting an expansion pack in November, two years after the release of the original game. This thing's been sitting in my GameCube for two years. Yeah, it's it's been so long me. that I honestly thought this was a sequel. And like, wow, they're doing a sequel to yeah. a Tales game. That's the direct one. That's cool. But no, it's yeah, it's DLC. Yeah. I've never heard of it. <laughs> it's well, it's it's in the tales, tales of series, whatever you want to call it, tales of the spirit, oh, oh. tales, tales of this. But this was this was a I, what I did play this because I played several hours of the intro and stuff. It's it's good. It's a good JRPG, beautiful anime graphical style and stuff like that. Um, and it was a lot of people were saying, hey, this is one of the best RPGs of the year. It just I think tales is one of those franchises folks have chosen by now like i'm either going to engage with that and try it or not what a diplomatic way to say i'm not playing this <laughs> for, for me for me i that's i, that's I will I... play the expansion because i just need to go back and finish the original but um i liked what i had played of it back when it came out so november 9th is the expansion and that's the state of play and that's all the news that's fit to play all right well let's move along to the community segment which is always is segmenting our community Pop, pop. So last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was uh, we we have post-apocalypse, high fantasy, and now sci-fi or, or space, if you want to say that well, post-apocalypse space. is also sci-fi. Space! Uh, so what setting should receive the Bethesda RPG treatment? The official Laser Time community on Facebook, Andrew Harbour, says uh, a Bethesda-developed open-world Wild West game seems like a no-brainer to me, especially if they retooled VATS from the Fallout games to replicate the dueling aspects. In a lot of ways, it'd resemble the Fallout experience, what with the cannibals, cults, and various cretins you'd encounter in the quote-unquote wasteland. Mm. But dialing back the technology could really set it apart. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, that sounds cool. Used to mosey around these parts till it took an arrow in the knee. That's my John Marston. That's yeah. my John Marston, everyone. I, I, th- I think the, really the quote that's going to emerge out like that from Starfield is, uh, I went and saw, it was a heat leech the length of my leg. Gross. <laughs> Cows. Cows never change. <laughs> uh, Nick Turner says, initially I wanted to throw a joke like Soviet Russia or a world where Bethesda Softworks pays Mick Gordon. <laughs> Uh, but I ended up giving it to some actual thought, and I'd like to see what they could do with a licensed cartoon property. Fuck! Cool, Nick Turner. Uh, think about creating your own cartoon character with cartoon abilities and uh, adventuring in an elaborate cartoon physics 
open world RPG of Springfield or Shelbyville and the surrounding areas, or Adventure Times, Land of Ooh, or uh, Blue Sea of One Piece, or Looney Tunes, aka Wacky Land DLC. Um, yes, Bethesda. D- his his asterisk here was Bethesda didn't pay the composer of Doom Eternal, no. but yeah, fucking good thinking, Nick. Uh, every time I see a new game engine, I'm like, what's the ramifications for me being able to play a Red and Stimpy episode without John Crazen involvement? I know, mm-hmm. I know. But Dino Orlando Anaya, who says I would like to see Bethesda's take on an open world crime game. Crime. Uh, I would take place. It would take place in a major metropolitan city. Maybe Metropolis. With the surrounding hmm. suburbs, it would have all the customizations, skill trees, factions, and side quests that you find in Bethesda games. The main quest would be to determine who ends up running the city. Do you become a corrupt cop doing the bidding of the city's uh, elite? Or do you become the leader of a small-time gang and yes. bring them to prominence? Do you join one of the city's major crime syndicates and finish a long-standing gang, gang war once and for all? Or do you wage a one-man war in the mall and carve in your own path. Uh, basically, I just want a Bethesda-flavored GTA. Yeah, and I love that the Bethesda formula would allow you to do all of those things in a single playthrough. <laughs> so, yeah, be, be a gang leader, then become the mayor. It's very Saints Row-y that way. Um, yeah, that would be cool. Uh, yeah. On Twitter, press X, at press X to Jason, numeral 2 Jason, says, well, obviously, the Strand genre... Seriously, though, it would be cool to see them set a game in something similar to a world like Hellboy. Monsters exist, humans exist, sometimes they coexist, but the idea of an ancient world parallel to a modern setting seems cool. Uh, By the way, one last dig at Starfield. Uh, It is a strand game because it's all about carrying heavy loads across barren landscapes. (laughs) Uh, that, that Hellboy comment made me think of, I always mention this, my favorite special feature on a DVD is Guillermo del Toro walking around the set of Hellboy 2, and he's like, uh, this is this is the cubby the Pixies put their sandals in before they fashion the wand, like, none of this is in the, mo- this is in the corner of your movie, and he's thought of every <laughs> aspect of the Hellboy world. Uh, beautiful, I would still love wow. to see that. Christopher Jackson, uh... Uh, uh, is that a, yeah? Christopher Jackson says, "I think Bethesda should try their hand at the pirate genre." Ah, ah, yeah. Feeling the heat, Michael? Uh, between Sea of Thieves, the alleged Assassin's Creed Black Flag remake, and the totally gonna release, we swear, Skull and Bones. <laughs> he made the joke before I did. Uh, I think there's plenty of interest and in, in space for Bethesda to give it a shot. Yeah, man, there's totally plenty of yeah, opportunity absolutely. there for. There's always room for more pirate games. Uh, yeah, if you're really paying it, to, like. Pirates didn't have technology or good weapons. A lot of their shit was communications because when you're going at, when you're malnourished and your teeth don't work and you're going at someone with a knife, mm-hmm. odds are the land dweller is going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the teeth, the, the knife I was clenching between my teeth fell out because it's just gums. Oh, I came here to pillage your whole town, but I have an iron deficiency and you can knock me over with the breath. <laughs> and- can we do it? But it's just our flag means death. It's yes. Just- just that yes, group. yes. So excited for that to come back. Let's see. At Jeff BTW says, Not so much a genre, but a property. One I've always wanted to truly be able to freely roam the city, see familiar oh. sights, talk to familiar characters, and dine in the local establishments. I want Bethesda to make a game set in the world of Walt Disney's own 
The Simpsons. Yeah. But I would like it to include a confusing and inconsistent layout. Will the parking lot <laughs> of the power plant be across the fence from the Simpsons' backyard? Sometimes. Will Skinner's house be modern and beside a Krusty Burger? Or an ominous mansion up the hill from Springfield Elementary? Uh, they could make some pretty memorable non-canon DLC based on the Treehouse of Horror God. specials and special Undead guest stars DLC. playing Ooh. important characters that get that will immediately be forgotten. The main quests, factions, side quests, companions, items, weapons, etc. have so much content that it can borrow from spending all nine seasons of The <laughs> Simpsons. What's the matter? You don't like Sober Barney? <laughs> or Fit Tony? Uh, Fit Tony. <laughs> you don't like Fit Tony? Uh, uh, Light 30, like Straight Dave. You like Straight Dave. Straight That's got to be Simpsons <laughs> Which, obviously, we're not talking about Dave Rudden. Yeah. Uh, um, we do have a video. Wait, hold on. I just want to say uh, okay. uh, 30, 20, 10 plug Light one, but Simpsons Hit and Run is 20 years. I was going to say, week. like, that, that, that 20 game years. exists. It's called Simpsons oh, yeah. Hit and Run. Yeah, wow. but it's, it's, it's unavailable. You can't. But it, it's had a 10-year modding scene. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a, 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 an HD remake that's been in the works by fans for years mm-hmm. so it, it it i would love and the idea something about the idea because like i just watched the simpsons movie and their backyard is the edge of springfield we've seen aerial shots and behind their house a thousand times <laughs> there's a shitload more springfield yep. they change it to whatever's convenient it'd be awesome if every day you woke up in that game and their house is located somewhere roguelite springfield that's what it needs yeah. <laughs> thank yes. you yes yeah, Spring- springfield is the town of requirement basically yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. uh so well, we have a video answer before we do that our first ever blue sky uh, question wow! of the week response from Matthew Tuchiron uh, at majorthird.bisky.social. Sword and sorcery! Obviously, some of the Elder Scrolls is in this vein. Some of it, uh, it says. Uh, but I want spookier magic. Hot and buff dudes and ladies, weird creatures, and more ancient civilizations. Um, the modding scene is alive and well and can deliver many of these things. I'll just say that. Um, but just one question: Can the dudes be both hot and buff, or can it just be hot? No, dudes only or buff hot dudes? or buff. <laughs> I, these are separate. This feels like the the dirtiest thing I'll ever say, but whatever creates more goth girls in the universe going forward mm-hmm. is a good idea. Sure, please. Yeah. Uh, finally, we have a video answer uh, from at One Hundred Things Film, the One Hundred Things I Learned from oh. Film podcast. Here we go. Gentlemen, Planty from the 100 Things We Learned From Film, a podcast here, just casually walking home via a castle that uh, is in a my high vis, yes. which works really, really well on an audio only format. I know. <laughs> um, you want to know what uh, job or what uh, RPG Bethesda should do next? I think they've got to set it somewhere really banal and dull, like, oh, I don't know, the northwest of England, perhaps. Uh, how about we have banal job simulator from them where you start out leaving school you've got grades you ain't got grades but whatever happens you've got to make those dollars so i don't know get a job uh move in stuff they've done courier before but they've never done literally a courier how about mm. actually moving stuff for people but don't worry about it because once you've earned all that money you can go home to your tiny little one bedroom flat and you could always <laughs> spend that money on podcasting or not <laughs> Always great, guys. Take it easy. Patreon.com slash time. I'm just kidding. I want you to write down this game idea and set it on your tiny UK fridge. And <laughs> <laughs> their, their, their domiciles are so much smaller. Mm-hmm. 
He's not wrong. Uh, so, new question of the week. What's your favorite racing game? Hold on. I think Bethesda would love this idea because yeah. there's so many streets out there in England that are too small for a car to fit through. So, mm-hmm. it would slow you down. They would love that. Love that. Bollard Simulator. <laughs> so Bo- box cars in <laughs> oh, that's just watchdogs uh <laughs> new question of the week what's your favorite racing game, yeah, right what's what's your favorite racing game do you have one because i'm not sure i do off the top of my head i i do I, I wanted to keep it a little more in line with the games we talked about because mine is I, I love diddy kong racing but i've used that as my my thing like several fucking times already um what I really, what I think I played the most, a uh, little tiny, stupid little bit of history for me. I, I played a ton of uh, NES, Super Nintendo racing games, RC Pro-Am. Mm. I don't know how mm-hmm. you remake that, but that is like the most adorable car in the history of murdering your opponent's gameplay. It's a little tiny truck with a tiny little RC antenna coming off of it. Spell Nintendo, it'll be fun. Uh but if I, the racing game I put the most time into, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Oh. Hmm. I mean, we were even you were momentarily infatuated with that, Michael. Come on. I, no, I don't think I ever played that one. Oh, no. Was it just bread I got into it? Yeah. Like, it was really, really fun. And uh, my, my girlfriend at the time had never complained about me playing games, ever. But eventually she's like, there are always sirens in our house, and it's been this way for three weeks. <laughs> like, I, I really don't, could just turn it down. I'm like, baby, it's not a game if it's not coming through subwoofer in 5.1 IO. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I played the shit of that game, and the remaster is pretty amazing. And I think I bought it uh, twice on, on PS4, 5, and Switch, which it, it's one of the few need for speed games of that era still available that you can purchase Mm. very very good i fully recognize that burnout takedown is the pinnacle of that series in my Mm -hmm. opinion and and probably one of the best if not the best racing game of all time however i'm gonna give a different answer because of just personal experience and and i have the memory of doing this burnout revenge was I believe still on the original Xbox and it was when the Xbox was supporting that feature where like you can rip your own songs from your CDs yeah. and store them on our hard drive and then mm-hmm. create the soundtrack of your own game and I really hope this is one that I I have a memory I feel like Burnout Revenge supported that and so I remember I think it did that's, okay. my, that, that's how that's how me and my friends played Morrowind with like no effects of hearing <laughs> out. <laughs> also, I, uh, I, the Great Escape game supported that feature. Wow. Okay, uh, but I, I just yeah, if it wasn't Burnout Revenge, it was a, a very similar racing title. But I just remember hours upon hours upon hours of listening to like it was like a Warp Tour CD or something I had ripped on there, and it was like my own soundtrack to. This amazing game, Burnout Revenge was amazing already. It's no takedown, but it's really good. And it's just like, just like perfect part of my life. What, probably in my early 20s, if if that, when that thing came out. And it's just like, yeah, doesn't get much better than this, man. Uh, so Burnout, Burnout Revenge, even though I do acknowledge Takedown is the superior title. Yeah. You know, this is Matt being professional and not wanting to show his Sega roots. But this is just him saying, I just want to turn Burnout Revenge into Crazy Taxi. Do <laughs> but you there's know that. I, I was going to say... And all that's to say, my favorite's actually uh, Sonic Racing Transformed, or Team Sonic Racing, it's or very any good. of the Sonic Racing. <laughs> very, very good. All quite uh, th- good. 
Uh, Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformed is is perfect. Might be one of the best kart racing games of all time. Very good. No, Sonic R, just uh, Super Sonic Racing. Racing. Throw I, I love on that because the, the whole the whole point of kart racing was to let you know you were playing as mascots. Let's remove the top, make their heads mm-hmm. big because the cars are small. And yep. Sonic R is like, fuck that shit. Our characters are running. That's it's just <laughs> them. <laughs> our char- our characters can do a drift with their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I'm not the biggest racing fan. I did love Burnout. Like that is. If I try to think of, like, what's a racing game I absolutely loved, Burnout 3 Takedown, uh, I played the shit out of. It's yeah. it's still hugely fun. It still holds up remarkably well. Yeah. Uh, like, I played it a bit before the show. It's like, man, this is almost as fun as I remember. Uh, how, did, how did you become the open world crime game guy if you're not into driving? Oh, I'm into driving. I'm not into racing. What about, uh, like, Driver? Yeah, never. I guess got it's not a racing driver. game. There's yeah. this very rarely a pole position yeah. aspect. Yeah, that game. I did. I did like Driver San Francisco, but yeah, the, just the basics of uh, you know racing against other cars, or God forbid, doing a rally race. Like that has never really <laughs> held my interest <laughs> for long. Give Michael the crime, the murder. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Let me get out of my car and kill some dudes. That's the part that I like. And then the the car is a means to get to the next killing dudes uh, event faster. Yes, apologies to Colin McCray, McCree, however you pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Colin, we didn't choose your game. R.I.P. Your whole series is forgotten. Mm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, our UK Codemasters mm-hmm. fans. All right, so what is your favorite racing game? Let us know. Uh, go to the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer. Ping us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or ping us on Blue Sky at vgapocalypse.bisky.social. Uh, that has Rolls been a, up the top. That has been our show. Well, it's it's just at vgapocalypse. That's all you need to remember. Uh, everyone's dot .bisky.social. Um, that has been our show. Let's go with some plugs. Uh, what have you got, Chris? Uh, Patreon.com slash laser time. We're about to start our Halloween series, Elm Street Nightmare Season 4, for all of Evil Dead. Uh, we're recording a new episode of 80s in depth. Uh, some more bonus times coming over 100 podcasts. Five bucks would be appreciated. Less is fine. More might give you a blowjob. No, I, I don't have I don't have anything good to promise uh, in that respect. But uh, we might read your name on the show. But uh, yeah, we're a smaller. Sh- something about the Unity stuff, like you know, we're a smaller show. And we're sort of dependent on all these things that could raise their prices at any moment. It's nice. While I, I, I hated fewer things when I saw all these YouTubers with 2 million subscribers. YouTube, it's like, hey, all that money you've been making? Never mind. And every single 2 million subscriber YouTube started a Patreon. I'm like, that's for people like us, not mm-hmm. you. <laughs> uh, not you who had it, a it monetization plan already. It has sponsorships. I don't want to do merch plugs every week. I really don't. Who can have... I, I'm 40. I have too many t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt is ripping the sleeves off his as we speak. Yep. I already <laughs> did it. Just out of <laughs> rage and frustration. Yeah. This show's been uh, going so long. This is, I mean, this, this is a tank top episode. For you keeping track at home, mm-hmm. we've, I've only recorded in tank top like maybe once before. This is the second time, which is explains why oh, my arms the show's so awesome. And I've been distracting Chris and Michael with my guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine looks so much worse compared to yours. And I thought me <laughs> wearing like this old... i my guns right now. I call nice. this... Oh, man, he does exercise. This one's lightning. Don't get caught in the storm. Yeah, this... 
This one's Starsky. This one's cream. It's a cookies and cream Starsky and Hutch hybrid. <laughs> you don't didn't want to go Starsky. cookies and Hutch. Cookies and Hutch. <laughs> God, I wish we could still generate usernames. Um. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I don't uh, have thirty twenty ten. This week is is a ton like a ton of fun. I this is just a PSA. It involves thirty twenty ten. I forgot. Like I, lo- I think Mr. Show is one of the best shows ever and the most influential show for me personally. Run, Ronnie, Run is twenty years old, and that's because it came out on DVD because it was blocked from coming out for two years. The Mr. Wow. Show movie. Bob Odenkirk's name now means a lot more, and it's still. I think it streams, but like there's a free HD copy on YouTube just sitting there. A lot of Mr. Show fans hated that movie because. The Mr. Show guy said, fuck the studio, fuck the director. He took control away from us. We're, we're disowning the movie. It was still the funniest movie of 20 years ago. Huh. It, it, it was still way funnier than anything else. Dude, like Boat Trip just came out for fuck's sake. Like, oh, uh, right. The Mr. Show movie is great. It is gloriously dated in that it's all about reality television and how it's taking over everything. And now it sort of has and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, nothing nothing bad happened to the country because of reality television. Yeah. yeah. No stars from it became president or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Unqualified right. people don't get positions of power because of reality television. Jeez. Oh, yeah, but a a, a really, really funny movie with some of the best cameos in cinematic history. Jeff Goldblum asking for his money back from a guru. I, 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 I want my money back and I want an elf or a fairy or a demon to bring it to me. And like, it's so fucking good. <laughs> Jack Black singing Kicker and the Conte, Mary Poppins esque uh, <laughs> musical number. I, I'm so. Um, uh, I'm judging, sensing from you guys, you haven't seen it either. No. Like, it's just this Be- unseen- Because I, I was warned off it by the Mr. Show guys hating it. Scott Thompson plays. A, f- a figurehead in the international gay conspiracy and radios the head who is Patrick Warburton. Oh, this international gay conspiracy is under fire from Ronnie Dub. It turns out it was only the guy who went to the January 6th riots who was warning people against that movie. It's actually a great movie, but it was just him that had been uh, scaring us. I had it in my notes. I didn't get to say it on 302010, but that's how gloriously dated the movie is. The most famous gay funny person who was out is Scott Thompson. Everything has changed in 20 years. Yeah. I mean, to me, he might still respect. be the most famous, funniest, yeah. the funniest out gay he, I'll yeah, never not amazing. love that man. He's, he's I would, wonderful. I love Scott Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. You better do, fucking Shorzy fan. Did you ever notice, <laughs> by the way, Maddie, how he much sure I sound... dead. Come on. It's amazing. How much I sound like Jordan Peterson? What about the lobster? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got it. It's not as falsetto, but it works, doesn't it? <laughs> All you got to do is appreciate capitalism and pay your taxes, and you should be fine. <laughs> it is uncanny. Give your fucking balls a tug, you goddamn Give leftist. Give your balls a tug, tip fucker. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, go please, please, please someone do the Jordan Peterson Shorzy edit. It has to happen now. <laughs> well, I would like to plug Acts of the Blood God, an RPG yeah. podcast that, uh, with um, 
Cat Bailey, that she invited me on a couple weeks ago to talk about Baldur's Gate 3 and then did not Ooh. tell me when the episode went up almost immediately. So go listen to that. I had a blast talking about Baldur's Gate 3 with, with that crew. Um, so check it out. And as always, you can follow us on the socials, on Twitter, on Blue Sky, at VG Apocalypse. Follow me personally at Wikiparas. That's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Now I know there are monsters on the world. <laughs> I'm not a stupid fucking idiot, but for five seconds, I thought it was a squirrel stapler.